All right, sweet. We are live. All right, today we have to silence our cell phones first. Done. Today on the For the Love of Sports podcast, I have Justin Raziel Cousins, not brothers. I have Nick Wright, brothers more than anything. And we are talking about the <laughs> NFC West today. We are going to be breaking down the NFC West with Justin, Nick, and myself. Should be fun. Should be a blast. Um, taking a little different approach today. We have two people, so it should be fun. Have these little conversations. As you've heard in many of the other shows, it's usually just been me and somebody else, Justin or Derek at this point, trying to get some other, get some new blood in there. It should be fun. It should be a good time. Looks like we're live everywhere. So um, yeah, let's get into it. I'm Mike Rozeal with Justin Rozeal and Nick Wright. Gentlemen, Justin, how are you tonight? Great. How are you doing, Mike? I'm wonderful. Nick, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Hope all's well with you guys. Thanks for having how, me. How are you now? That's good. How are you now? Good and you. Good and you. So uh, first thing we do want to cover, so Nick is a master of psychology, and it's always very interesting getting to ask him questions. Don't laugh. Come on. Don't be like that. He's a master of psychology. He knows more about psychology than I did uh, taking that AP psych class in high school that I failed. And right hey, now, my because you want to see what an F looked like on your on your report. Card. It was like, cool. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I wanted I wanted to see what it looked like. So, gentlemen, I just want to let you know that my lights are flickering really, really hard right now. So yeah. I would not be surprised if my power goes out and this ends. I'm but we're rolling. You, so I'll be we'll with you happens. there. <laughs> we're rolling with it. Um, this is definitely a problem. This is definitely a problem. Okay, we'll go. We'll see what happens. Um, so first, I want to cover a little bit of the psychology aspect. I mean, this year was very, very interesting with the draft being virtual. Yes. Obviously, it's never happened before, um, never at least in, in any type of fashion like this. And with the obvious pandemic that's going on, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you guys want to call it, it is... Probably this is a good time to talk about the potential of, you know, having the opportunity turn to what does the psychological aspect look like? Because this is something that doesn't really happen too, too often. So, Nick, uh, just a couple of questions here for you that I wanted to sure. pose and just see what what this opportunity kind of looks like and what some of these things might be. So um, some of the ways what are some of the ways that you feel like COVID-19 affected the draft from the virtual aspect and not not within the actual player side but more from the i guess from the psychological um tilt from that aspect sure so i think one of the most important things to consider with this is for you know these uh, these young men involved um really in their families too but more so them it's it's really like a rite of passage you know it's this plan that they've laid out for themselves, um, almost a, a linear path, if you will, right, for how things will progress. You know, you play these sports, you move up through the leagues in terms of talent, and now you get to a point where, okay, you're going to either transcend, if you will, to the professional level or continue to be a uh, worker bee like, uh, you know, uh, the rest of us. Um, and I think for a lot of these guys, this build up to the draft is so immense and it's supposed to be this spectacular, phenomenal experience. Right. Um, and I think a lot of them, you know, feel kind of cheated and, and robbed of that experience. Um, and truthfully, I don't really fault them for that. I think it's something they've all worked really hard for and certainly mentally prepared for, for quite some time. Um, and you know, you have to adjust to it, right? There's this whole novelty of it. The, the first ever virtual draft and mm -hmm. what does that mean and that's just aside from 
the obvious parameters of it being virtual as far as these guys you know again it's such a so much pomp and circumstance behind the whole thing and it really is is a ceremony um and it's something that they didn't they didn't get and you know there's there's a lack of closure to their college career um in in many senses not just to them but you know we see it with our senior athletes um and again this is from the sports perspective of course it exists academically and just in general um but it's it's gonna affect them you know and i think i think a lot of their self-identity right their self-concept is is wrapped up in being an athlete um and what that's supposed to mean is represented in in the media it's represented in in really you know their their programs at the schools um for how these things are supposed to go and you know there's not a blueprint for this there's not a rule book that they can reference they can't reach out to some of the other professionals you hear those great stories you know about guys mm-hmm. alum contacting the guy uh the the up-and-comers and telling them what to expect and that kind of thing and it doesn't happen so in this experience they're really on their own um and for some of them who let's face it right the the college program is very regimented as an athlete there's so much routine and it's totally different so you see you see some of these these young men are really in a position where it's it's all new um and and some have handled that really well and you know i think the draft was more intimate than it's probably ever been um just because you got to see a little bit more of the family life but also for these guys you know a lot of them do feel kind of slighted and it's come out in their tweets or that sort of thing you know mm-hmm. um and and it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I think I think it is really interesting, you know, especially looking at it. Was that your lights? Nice. That was All my right. lights. Yeah, we're, <laughs> who who uh, who falls off first? I guess that's going to be the game we're playing tonight. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but no, I think it, it's really interesting, and I'm glad I was able to, you know, able to pick your brain a little bit about this because I do think it is very important. From that, you know, you bring up a really interesting point: that rite of passage, that that mm-hmm. ceremony that now they don't get. You know, we're hearing it and seeing it as you said, just a lot of college seniors, high school seniors. Senior year of both of those were my two favorite years of my life, so far, hands Absolutely. down. And it, it's fortunate that you get to see that you know, it, it gets taken away from a lot of these kids. I guess, Nick, from you know, from your perspective, how do you think this will? Can this and and potentially how will this affect who they are as people moving forward? Not to make it so grandiose, but like sure, right. not not being able to have that experience, as you said, of walking across the stage, especially those first round picks. A lot of ego is involved when it comes mm-hmm. to sport. So if yes. you don't get that extra bump of ego, does that affect you down the line? I mean, I, I know that might be a little far-fetched and a little too too zoomed out, but I mean, how do you think it can affect them in that sense? Um, I, I don't think it's that zoomed out. I mean, you know, I, I absolutely think it has a role. What it will be, I don't know. Um, whether it's just they carry a chip on their shoulder, if you will, it's mm-hmm. me versus, you know, not the world. But obviously yeah. these circumstances, now I've overcome them. And I think some are really going to revel in that and own it and grow from it. And I think other guys are going to have a hard time, um, you know, and circling back to, in, in many ways, the school maintains sort of their, their daily schedule and and their life and that kind of thing. And now, now it's, it's left to them. And some Mm -hmm. of these guys, you know, don't make the best choices. Um, Some of them really, really do need that structure. You know, Mm -hmm. we hear it's an extreme example, but um, there was, you know, school security or, or professional security also involved with the case of Justin Blackman, right. And having people genuinely following him around to make sure he doesn't do 
mm-hmm. what he shouldn't. Um, and I think that's going to be hard for these guys, both at the college, you know, or lack of with the college, I should say. And now necessarily with these offseason programs being so different than anything we've ever ever seen you know how will they adapt to it and i think you're going to see a real polarity you know some some it's really not going to be that that different they'll you know slave away and focus and really thrive in the off season and some of these other guys it's going to affect them and it may ultimately lead to them really not doing what they're supposed to the little things right you know Mm -hmm. the the exercise and the dietary stuff simple things and they might not necessarily do as well professionally because of it. And a lot of those guys, you bring up the dietary and the exercise aspect, mm-hmm. but if you're living in an inner city and you're from maybe not the best place in the world, it's, you know, it's, it's easy for us where we sit to say, well, why can't you go outside on a run? Well, a lot of people in New York city are afraid to leave their house. Yes. They're afraid to leave their apartment, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's, it's, you don't really have too much room to do anything. And, and I think you're completely right when it comes to, you know, the opportunities that they potentially you know don't have compared to you know what we do and and sticking on that isolation um you know one of the things that was brought up when you know social distancing and essentially isolation was preferred was the the mental health aspects you know humans are social beings i don't care if you're introverted extroverted humans as creatures we're social beings and now if you're told hey you only get to sit in a house potentially by yourself in some of these certain situations mental health is a huge huge aspect of what's going to be going on so how do you think especially not knowing any of these athletes but understanding that the number is very large in the what 300s if i'm not mistaken how do you think some of these athletes will will be dealing with this from you know a mental health perspective if they're not even allowed out of their house or even to you know you only can call up people zoom calls are great but i miss actually giving you guys hugs too well Mm -hmm. absolutely and you know the point is is valid i think um again you're going to see really two two kind of modalities with this you're going to see the guys that adapt and own it and do what they can you know and um i was listening to good morning football this morning and they're saying that haskins has been having three hour you know zoom meetings with uh coach rivera every day right and and there's that and then there are the other guys that might not take it so seriously you know the Dak prescott's that are having their their workouts um not to say it's quite the same thing it doesn't seem like it is but also lamar jackson with antonio brown and hollywood having these workouts and choosing to decide that either a these rules don't apply to me or you know i really have to focus and take this seriously i think you kind of you learn a lot about the individual in that instance um you know, there's there's a huge difference between being alone versus, um, you know, on your own, right? And I think the internet is a phenomenal medium to allow these guys really to to stay connected in a way that works in, you know, COVID 2020. Um, and and they will they will be able to do that and establish a sense of normalcy. Um, the biggest thing with this is, you know, like you said, we are. I had a professor who who said, well, you said we are social animals, right? And that's the case. Um, even if you are introverted, you know, human contact is important for us. We, we, you know, rely on that in many instances. Um, and what you need to really do and what they need to do is define their new normal, develop mm-hmm. any routine, whether it's just simple as waking up and going to bed at the same time, you know, meal regimens, um, whatever they can do to have a, a, flow throughout the day to have a sense of control right that's what's so jarring with this is it's it's something none of us can really manipulate or impact Mm -hmm. and and we we need that we look for that in our lives and we micromanage everything to the point where we really believe that it is within our grasp when 
most things aren't. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it it's something that they're going to have to do, and they're going to have to be deliberate to develop a self care regimen. Um, again, you know, we talked about, or you you used a great example of these guys in the city that can't necessarily do the same things. Okay, but you can do push ups in your house. Yeah. You can do sit ups in your house. You can have the exercise, um, you know, uh, departments from mm-hmm. from your universities or from your uh, professional programs reach out to you and send you at home workouts. I have a good buddy of mine who's given me stuff that he's getting for free online from a gym. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy stuff. Um, you just have to do it. And I think, I think part of it too is it's challenging for them to be somewhat alone, right? Because they've always been the center of what have mm-hmm. you, whether it was in high school, in college, you know, they've, they're used to that being around them and it's not now. Um, so they have to kind of learn to be okay with themselves. And, and I think fortunately it seems things are changing where people are more willing to say, Hey, I'm having a hard time or, you know, I am feeling a little depressed or anxious X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and that's, that's more power to you. You know, it takes a strong person to ask for help. And I think it's, it's good that there, there seems to be a change in, in the narrative and encouragement for Mm -hmm. that from players. You know, some of the teams are even doing, um, uh, like, like, actual evaluations from a mental health professional you know that's been more so in the nba um but i'm hoping that that kind of bridges the gap and comes to the nfl so they're learning they're doing the best they can in many ways and and with that i mean there's positives and negatives that come out of everything i think obviously some of the positives we touched on is you know bringing some of these mental issues to light and and hopefully having people say like yes this is a problem i need help i think that is a positive you know it's not a negative to say i need help i think it's actually really good and and destigmatizing the whole narrative of oh no you're a strong football player you don't have problems that's ridiculous Uh, i also think some of the other positives and you touched upon them a little bit was the intimacy of the draft which i thought was really really cool like yeah i mean we're all laughing at you know the picture of cliff kingsbury versus Mm -hmm. you know uh bill belichick and it's funny but (laughs) i mean it's it's kind of cool to see in their lives it was kind of cool to see what sean mcveigh was doing and and pete carroll and john schneider and how they're hanging out with their kids and you know they see their wives you see their dogs everywhere it's like it, it was really nice uh, to see that. And mm-hmm. I think that there will be positives that come from it. And I think they'll start to implement that because us as fans, we actually really enjoyed seeing that. We got, we felt yeah. like we were closer and more connected, which yes. I think is really important as well. And and to that point, like how do you think the NFL as kind of another far-fetched question, but how do you think the NFL can continue that lane of being more connected, being more intimate post COVID 2020, as you said? That's that's a good question. I think I think what they can do first of all is is evaluate what went well, right? You know, I think this was the it brought the human element to the draft with the families, um, you know, with all these these coaches putting their their kids up front. You know, that's great, and you can see the the emotion they expressed to their family members that they would not necessarily do in the war room, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, as far as how they can manage it, uh, manage it, I think um, doing you know, changing the way the PR campaigns work to kind of encourage more of the togetherness, right? Even one I saw today that I thought about was um, they're showing all these guys at the draft and they're saying, it's not crying. It's, cr- it's flexing your cryceps was the term. This is on NFL network, right? This is their term and it's hokey and it's silly. Of course, they're running out of things to talk about. Yes. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you could tell that from some of the, uh, you know, little draft comments we saw on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think you want to, you know, really encourage that campaign, push all the philanthropy you see the players doing, you know, re the, not just from the teams, right. Don't just retweet it. Mm-hmm. 
advertise it, talk to yeah. them, have them on the guest shows. What are you doing? What was successful? These guys that are involved in the food banks that are going to their communities, um, you know, and, and really trying to give back. I mean, these, these players have a platform unlike most of us will ever have in our lifetime. And, you know, I think it, it's a positive if they are willing to use it in, in the right capacity. Um, and they can, you know, and, and that's the great thing. I mean, you see simple stuff where one player retweets a small fundraiser and it explodes online. Mm -hmm. And then now somebody in need gets what they, you know, what they really desperately are or would benefit from. Um, and that, yeah, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff is invaluable, you know, and, and I don't want to necessarily say it's up to the players or to charge them with that responsibility because it's not, but mm -hmm. at the same point in time, we're all global citizens, if you will, and, you know, make the world a better place. I'm all for it, man. And last, last question on this, uh, specifically, you know, one thing, so there are positives that come out of this. There's obviously going to be negatives that come out of this as well, aside from, um, you know, the, the un unfortunate loss of life, people getting sick, et, et, et cetera, et cetera. What, what does it do to a person down the road after being stuck again by themselves, only being potentially able to see one or two people for two to three month period. How does that affect you as a human being down the road? I mean, obviously we've never quite had st a study like this where it's on a global scale before, but sure. in your opinion, I mean, what have you seen or what have you read that would kind of give light to, okay, people that normally are social creatures now two months later after not really being able to see too many people, how are they affected and what, what are their mannerisms and how do they change, I guess, specifically in the brain if possible yeah. uh, in, uh, down the road? Um, well, they're going to change a lot and they're going to change a lot because as you said, we don't, we don't know what this really is, right? None of us have experienced it. Us in the, um, the biological sciences are, you know, it, not, not, I wouldn't use scrambling, but certainly mm -hmm. in a, uh, fast paced, you mm -hmm. know, world that we live in really trying to kind of get the stuff out there. And I'd say two things, first and foremost, what I love to see is the stigma seems to change slightly um you know this started professionally to not to go on a tangent but i think it's really grown in the last few years in that now um, insurance companies are offering a lot of reimbursements mm -hmm. for this sort of thing right that's that is gaining drastic momentum it is moving forward and i think now with telepsychiatry you're seeing a lot of people access things that might not have before um as far as you know what it what it will do to the brain um in terms of biologically, it is what it is, you know, mm -hmm. we, we learn socially, but what it does do is it's going to force people to adapt or, you know, for lack of a better word, get off the moving train. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to see really people, people go one of two ways, you know, that's where I kind of keep coming back to is you're going to see the folks that are willing to, to examine themselves. And, you know, you're going to learn about yourself in these, mm -hmm. in these quarantine days, no matter what that is in some capacity um, you will, I think we all probably have. Um, and I think for, for many of the folks, it's really going to be something that is an opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I would hope, you know, I saw this, this thing that was kind of comical, but it said introverts check on your extroverted friends. And it's kind of <laughs> funny, but it's, it's yeah. really true, right? You know, you yep. have to learn what this, this will be and what your, again, your new idea is moving forward. And that's, that's, what's most important is not to get too ahead of yourself, but to understand I'm going to control what I can control and sort of accept that a lot of this is not something 
mm-hmm. that we can do a lot about. And I think that loss of control is is tough, you know, not to really dive into it, but for anybody who knows uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's it's self-actualization, safety to be some of them. And with that, you know, it is, it is he has a concept called locus of control. And that's what really matters to us is to feel that we can impact day to day, that we can change things within our lives. And, and this is a wake up call that it's not that simple. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like one of the weirdest things that, you know, hopefully we'll ever go through, you know, hands down. Um, But I mean, the craziest thing now is like just watching TV of like an old show or a movie and just being like, those people shouldn't be standing that close. That's crazy. And it's just (laughs) like, this happened five years ago. This happened, you know, eight months ago, it didn't matter then. And now thinking like, you know, I go on a walk essentially every single day. And when I go walk down the sidewalk, people walk all the way around. They mm-hmm. they don't even come anywhere near me. Like, how long does that last for? That's that's the weird part. But it's, and what does that do to us in our yeah, relationships? Yeah, that's exactly like how does how does that work? So I guess we'll we'll, uh, we'll all be guinea pigs moving <laughs> forward. So I think that's interesting. So thank you for that. I thought that would be a pretty cool way just to um you know have you in and give us a little insight, a little expertise on what you know best. Um, and then we can go into the second thing, the the thing you know second best, which is the Los Angeles Rams. As I said, we're going to be breaking down the rest of the NFC West. We have the Rams who missed the playoffs. I think at seven and nine, if I'm not mistaken. We have the Seahawks who made the playoffs, made it to the divisional round, lost to the Packers. I think Jimmy Graham was short, but that's a whole nother thing. Devontae Adams does not agree with me. The Arizona Cardinals, uh, they had the eighth overall pick, so they were pretty whatever. And San Francisco 49ers, as we know, blew an 11-point lead with about six minutes and 35 seconds left in the Super Bowl to the Chiefs and somehow ended up losing that game by 11 points. Um, so, yeah, yeah, right? The, uh, the Shanahan Super Bowl effect. So let's start with the Rams. They did not have a first round draft pick first time in, oh no, fourth straight year. They did not have a first round draft pick. But if you think about it, would you rather have Jalen Ramsey or a fourth round draft pick? And this is perfect Ramsey at 20 because I can ask Justin and I can ask Nick, Justin, were you happier or sadder with the draft pick or would you have rather kept Jalen Ramsey? I still want Jalen Ramsey. I'm trying to find my. Uh Oh, did he did freeze? We lose him? Yeah, I think we did. Okay, how do you feel about it, Nick? You know, I I have no problem with um with with obviously the player that the resume speaks for itself, the talent speaks for itself. Um, I have a hard time again, as as you eloquently put it, right? Four straight years of no first round picks. Um, that's that's tough. Now having you know scoured the internet and and tried to do my research to impress you guys of course um with who would have been available at 20 as far as their needs i i'm not upset if you take conceptually getting the player that is Jalen ramsey proven mm-hmm. to be what he is at as an all-star really is an all-star um you know at pick 20 overall um you know i think uh, Rams, for the record, nine and seven last year have not had a losing season on mm-hmm. a big day so far. Um, you know, I I think that it's not as though they were robbed of a top ten pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's important to keep that in mind. Um, you know, to both reassure myself that it was a worthy trade. I just had a hard time with with two years worth of picks is tough. It's difficult. Um, hopefully it does come back. I mean, again, you're in win now mode, so who the hell cares? Uh, but well, I guess uh, we, will, we will see. Uh, yeah. We will definitely see just a couple other off season moves. So that was the trade last year. Um, 
Greg Zerline left, I guess, mm-hmm. whatever. Todd Gurley was released. I think that's much more important. Still hasn't gotten paid. Clay Matthew released, still hasn't gotten paid. Dante Fowler Jr., mm-hmm. they let him go. Nickel, Nickel, Roby Coleman, however you say him, his option was declined. And Corey Littleton. So, I mean, that is a Huge significant yeah. amount of mm-hmm. players gone. And if I'm not mistaken, the year prior, it was the same thing. Just a lot, a lot, a lot of people leaving. Kind of an exodus over um, from that Super Bowl team. I don't think much of the offensive line is still there. Aaron Donald's still there. And I feel like that's a bad Michael Brockers, if I'm not mistaken, still there. Brockers, so. uh, Brockers failed his physical, failed his physical oh. with the Ravens and the Ravens. Uh, resigned with the Rams. So, Oh, that's perfect. Look at that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm that, happy. I love, cheaper the player, too. I love the leadership. I'm into it. You know, I was pleased. I was, it was sad to see him go. So as a Homer and he's been with them forever. Um, and just a real stand up guy. I love seeing him back. That is fantastic. I, so I also he, think that that one, the, one of the reasons that they they really wanted to get Brockers back after the failed designation is that they need they realize with all everything that's going on is that they need as much leadership and as much yeah. um, experience for with players within the organization. So that's what a lot of teams were kind of focusing on. Absolutely. Yeah, that is uh, completely. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, they brought in Ashawn Robinson two years, seventeen million. Whitworth did stay for a couple more years. It says three, but I'm really curious how long he's actually going to stay Opt for. Out after one, pretty much. I was going to say he's pretty mm-hmm. pretty much a one year yeah. deal. That's just all for the cap. Um, and Leonard Floyd, they brought him in on a one year deal. Austin Blythe as well, because you have no offensive linemen. So going into <laughs> the draft, Nick, how did you? I mean, again, considering oh, and you got rid of Brandon Cooks. Forgot about that. Traded him away too. That's, going into that's... the draft, what did you feel like were the biggest needs for the Rams so uh, offensive line I just I I you know they go from um top 15 I think if I'm not mistaken they were uh, ranked 11th or 12th um you know the the Super Bowl run um you know and as you guys say you win in the trenches right and that's that's very valuable um so I I think that was that was a big need um you know inside linebacker too, but apparently Wade Phillips never cared about it. And I guess that really hasn't changed, um, you know, with, uh, the new defense, really the whole new defensive scheme coming in, um, adapt react is the whole, the whole thing that, um, has been, you know, brought in, but it's, it's, shocking to me they didn't address either one of those and again like I, I i love scoring i love offense you know um todd was a favorite of mine as you both know so it was hard for me not to want a running back selfishly um i am very surprised that it was not alignment mm-hmm. it it doesn't really make sense to me as as you know when in the trenches when in the trenches when in the trenches so um didn't have a first round pick had a couple second round picks so of that of those first second round picks um, 52 overall cam Akers out of Florida state. I mean, he was one of the four or five best running backs, depending on who you li- listen to and who you talk to. I think it made sense. They obviously needed a running back getting rid of Todd Gurley. Um, mm-hmm. it's just confusing to me that they then immediately went and got a running back. I don't know. I feel like waiting probably would have made sense. Cause again, you need an offensive line more than Justin shaking his head. No, I think it kind of makes more sense depending on who's on the board. But Nick, how did you feel about it? Then Justin, I'll let you go. It's such a, it's such a weird dichotomy, right? So, you know, you draft the running back that arguably had the worst offensive line and still performed well. So what is that mm-hmm. sending as far as a message? Are you saying we're acknowledging our line is not great. So we're going to get a player who we know can overcome this. If that's the case, Build the line, 
You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's weird. And again, I I've I've learned quite a lot more about Acres in the last um, couple of weeks than I than I did in the last year or so. He was not on my radar as far as who they would take. Um, as you guys know, I was rooting for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I got him first overall in our in our uh, college fantasy league, and it was great. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he you know Acres Acres one of my favorite things that some of the stats that I got from him is um, 904 of his uh, 1144 came after contact. Um, this is phenomenal. At, yeah. It's it's very Sanders. Yeah. That's remarkable. Ridiculous. Remarkable. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate his ability to um, catch a ball out of the backfield. I think the screen is going to be something you see mm-hmm. the ramp. Well, they, they use a lot, but I think you're going to see it a lot more. Todd was always great at that. You know, those little rollouts catch and go um, and follow your blockers kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I will say is leading me to believe so is confidence just dwindling in, in Henderson. Is that it? I mean, you know, you brought in CJ Anderson and he seemed to be unstoppable um, in the postseason run. And then, you know, last year you have um, Malcolm Brown, 3.8 yards of carry Henderson, 3.8 Gurley, 3.7. So like what fell off the mm-hmm. line, the line, the line. ranked 31st mm-hmm. last year, you know, and that's, that's going to affect everybody. Um, so I, I, like I said, it just confuses me, but I'm, I'm not upset with a running back. Mm-hmm. Just 52. Weird. Justin. I mean, if that's how their big board fell, that's that's the guy they wanted then. Like, I mean, clearly they probably would have preferred Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift, but there was probably no shot of those guys falling down to you guys unless you wanted to trade up back into the second round. Um, I mean, I prefer Akers. It looks like we just lost mm-hmm. Nick there. That's fine. <laughs> um, back. I, 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 prefer, I preferred Akers for that spot mainly because he he dealt with exactly what the Rams were dealing with the prior season. So he kind of is already coming into a situation where he knows that the offensive line is in ruins a little bit. But after that late season trade with Austin Corbett, with, with the Browns, once they got Corbett in there, um, it seemed like the, him, no boom, like a bunch of the, the offensive line pieces kind of really started to gel together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that happened, uh, all of a sudden the the offense kind of uh, was brought back to normalcy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how they look going forward. But you know what? As long as they have Whitworth at left tackle, you don't have to worry about Jared Goff's blind side. They're going to be a run-heavy offense again, and they run this zone-blocking uh, run scheme, which you could pretty much put any running back back there as long as they're somewhat football intelligent and they can read defensive fronts, which Cam Akers does very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll come in and he'll he'll contribute right away. Yeah, I think I that's very... Too, Bobby Evans stepped up real well last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How is how is Cam Akers as a blocker? Out of curiosity, are either of you familiar on that point? Because I think again, giving Jared Goff just that extra second is going to be what separates him from being the capable quarterback he was that you know his sophomore or junior year, whatever that was, the Super Bowl year into last year, where he just some games just looked like dog crap. Um, so it's it's supposed to be something that he has room to improve upon, but he can do. I think um, not to to tip one of our our later picks, but one of the other picks the Rams got in particular, I think, was really um, aimed to help improve mm-hmm. the blocking for golf. Um, that being a tight end, um, you know, and and I think that it's something where it may not be his role as much. Um, you know, Malcolm Brown is phenomenal with that mm-hmm. aspect, so I, I don't quite know. Um, how successful it will be. I, I mean, he's going to have to, he's mm-hmm. going yeah. to have to because the line is porous. So it's something. Um, so that's the, the first pick the Rams had number 52 overall, uh, the second round pick cam Akers out of Florida state. No, the second, second round pick. This one's fun for both of you. Um, yeah. wide receiver mm-hmm. van out of Florida. Give me a chomp. Come on. Give me a chomp. There you <laughs> go. 
Why are out of Florida? Uh, how do you guys, again, so it, this is just the crazy thing to me that like, I still don't understand how the cap works, but clearly it makes sense to them. You get rid of your running back, you get rid of a wide receiver, and then you just go and draft a running back and wide receiver with your first two picks. I just don't, I clearly don't understand how the cap works because I know they're sitting in like a, a copious amount of dead cap money. Why not just pay these guys that know the offense and know what you're doing and you could build pieces around them? I don't know. Justin, can you give me any perspective on that? I just don't get it. Well, for one, you don't pay running backs and you don't pay players with an injury history. So they, well, they you're kind still of let's paying Todd Gurley anyway. It let's doesn't keep, matter. I, um, yes and no. They're still saving money. It's just not as much as keeping him on the field. But you know what? With Brandon Cooks, you were able to get assets back for it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, clearly you're going to make that trade 10 times out of 10. Yes. Um, the Todd Gurley thing, I'm not sure if relationships kind of started to deteriorate a little bit, mainly because obviously you kind of saw his deterioration at, mm -hmm. at his play. And I mean, yeah. once you have a 26-year-old kid with arthritis, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. He's, he, obviously, he's clearly trying to get it fixed going over to Germany, trying to get stem cell uh, uh Mm -hmm. I don't know, inserts yeah. or whatever the Maybe, hell they're yeah. called. So, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how, how it's going to work out. But you know what? Sometimes Sean McVay is great at taking players and finding one thing that they do great and then just just exploding, uh, just exploding it. Yeah, he, like he, and that's exactly what Van Jefferson does. He's a great route runner, mm -hmm. and that's the, 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 the Rams receiver's M.O. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, last year I had Robert Woods and you guys all cheers me for it. And he was friggin' terrible in fantasy. So hopefully something changes that, there. It's not exactly his fault because the offensive line was so bad. So well, Jared yeah. Goff didn't have time to run any, uh, to do anything. Like he, they he, couldn't he, run the ball. He, <laughs> yeah. So, so clearly all they're doing, all they have to do is just key in on Jared Goff. Just keep blitzing the shit out of him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, what did they do this offseason really to change any of that? They got rid of two veteran pieces in their offense and brought in a uh, an okay offensive lineman like that. And Andrew Whitworth just, really just got a year older. Andrew Whitworth just got a year older. Yes, I, I know. And, you know, there's this weird narrative amongst the Rams Twitter and Rams beat writers that Les Need is uh, drafts a year or two ahead with the idea um, that some of these guys they got last year and they got quite a few more linemen last year than than this draft, obviously getting one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that they they are, I mean, again, as, as Justin mentioned, the trade for Corbett, which has worked out, and he was he was uh, 33rd overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a high quality talent who's just really, really excelled for them. Um, you know, and, and part of what crippled them last year too, bless you forget were injuries, you know, you lose, mm -hmm. you lose your center, you lose your right guard to these, these ACL, um, injuries, and then, you know, ankle over and over and over again, and it's going to impact them. You know, again, um, Bobby Evans from Oklahoma has really stepped up. He's been a great acquisition for them and he was a, a fifth or a sixth, if I'm not mistaken. So he was, he was a late pick for them as well. That has really kind of come into his own, um, you know, getting Austin Blythe back is going to help them. I, I don't expect the caliber of play that they mm -hmm. had before, but I do think they'll be better. Yeah. I mean, I guess anything's better than 31st in the league, as you said. <laughs> yeah. So like they kind of have to you be have better. the whole offensive line coming back too. Yeah. Once, once you have those five guys together and they, they eat, sleep, breathe next to each other all the time when they're playing football. So mm -hmm. uh, amongst them in the locker room, that's why they set them all up at the lockers. There's left tackle, left guard, center, and then all the way down through. Um, plus Tyler Higby really emerged at the end of that, at the end yeah, of the season. Absolutely. So, and, and the nice thing about him is he's a good blocking tight end as well. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of keep him on the line along with the, the late round draft pick that you guys picked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do like that. So again, first two picks were just essentially the people that they just got rid of and in some capacity third round 80 84th overall terrell terrell or terrell terrell terrell, terrell lewis alabama um 
he was much higher on a lot of people's boards. He tore his ACL and had an arm injury um, recently, which is kind of a drag. Uh, getting him in the third round then, if he's that much of a talent, I mean, anybody out of Alabama is worth at least a flyer on. But yeah. uh, Nick, how did you feel about this pick in the third round? You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with a linebacker. I'm I'm happy with a linebacker in general. I think because um, we got rid of another linebacker. Yeah, the Rams just they're just replacing it. Looks like at this point, I you know, and I I I had such a soft spot for Littleton as a homegrown guy, and that you know somebody they really developed, and you saw him just emerge in a two year span from you know not quite a bubble player, but we'll see to mm-hmm. a very high quality uh, yep. caliber um, starter, you know, and. I um I I trust in McVeigh as you guys know, and McVeigh genuinely believes, particularly the ACL was an outlier. Um, the arm, if I'm not mistaken, was shoulder. Justin, I think. Um, I thought it was a small arm, but I'm not. Okay, you you, you know more than I do about that. So point being that um you know it's it's not necessarily something that may nag him again, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly yeah. the arm. A- ACLs are concerned. It is, um, but you know, but he's two, three years removed from that, so that that, that helps a yeah. little bit. Correct. It's um, and the talent at 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 again, you know, slipping to eighty four is mm-hmm. is phenomenal. I I biasly, I think this was their best pick of the draft. I think they knocked this one out of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Justin. Mm-hmm. As long as as long as he's healthy, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a solid. That's a it's solid a edge every rusher. Player, that, though. Yeah, it is. But when when you have a guy with a history of injury, mm-hmm. uh, with a injury yeah. of histories, yeah. um, it, it just doesn't always pan out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's there's tons of guys that you you'll draft late just because you want to take a late round flyer on them, and I mean nine times out of ten it doesn't pan out. But you know mm-hmm. what? Sometimes when you find a guy of this caliber this late in the draft, you take a shot on him. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, again, coming out of Alabama, I you know John Gruden believes it. Make Mike Mayock believes it. I believe it. Take those guys at a big time schools. I mean, so far you have Florida State University, which isn't quite what it used to be. University of Florida is still up there. Obviously, Alabama. Uh, we're doing some good things. And then the SEC. second pick, yeah, right? <laughs> Hall SEC until until the third, the uh, second third round pick, pick one hundred four. Terrell or Terrell? I'm pretty sure it's Terrell. Yeah, that's Terrell. <laughs> Terrell Bur- Burris. Kind of funny, right? Burgess. It's fun. Burgess. It's fun. We're having fun with it. Terrell Burgess. Safety out of Utah. Justin, um, I've only watched so many Pac-12 after dark games, as you know. What can you tell me about this gentleman <laughs> out of Utah? Uh, well, you know what? The, the Utah secondary wasn't so bad last year. They had Jalen Johnson. Um, obviously, he, he got hurt kind of midway through the season. So uh, Burgess really stepped up. And the, the nice thing is this is a depth piece. But like Nick was saying, they're kind of looking towards the future with John Johnson's contract looming. And with, with the, the the amount of money that the Rams have dedicated to a select amount of players, mm-hmm. they kind of have to start doing that looking forward. And that's that's one of the reasons why they're they're doing what they're doing. But, you know, he's, he's a good, versatile safety. Um, will probably be free safety. But you know what? The Rams run, run a lot of three safety packages. At least they did with Wade Phillips. We'll kind of see what mm-hmm. they do with their, their yeah. new defensive coordinator this year. Um, but I, I can't see them straying too far from it because they didn't dress the linebacking position. So that clearly means that they're going to be going to like a lot of these dime safety um, packages this year. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Nick, how did you feel about this pick? Safety out of Utah. Yeah, you know, um, as as Justin said, um, the biggest thing for me is, and, and again, I love John Johnson. You know, I wish in an ideal world they'd be able to keep him. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, so, you know, assuming he does move on, um, he will he will be a replacement for him. You know, one of my favorite things that I'll I'll read the snap count so I get it correct is he is incredibly versatile, right? Um, 133 at free safety, 285 in the box, 26 at cornerback, 272 at nickel, and 66 on the D line. You know, that's. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, yeah. right? And that's mm-hmm. that's true versatility. He's mm-hmm. going to go where you need him to, um, and you know I think it's it's 
going to help them a lot, especially with really a, a good amount of turnover potentially happening in the secondary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. And you're kind of seeing, um, you know, the, the Rams are essentially going to have to go the same blueprint the Seahawks do, where you pay your quarterback a boatload of money, he's going to have to win those games, and you're just going to have to draft really, really well moving forward. And the Seahawks still don't even do that. I mean, we'll get to it, but like, they're still really <laughs> weird. A magician. And Russell Wilson yeah. is just incredible, and I love yeah. everything wow. about him. And no, I think, you know, safety out of Utah, Terrell, Terrell, Burgess, whatever his name is, his first name at least. I mean, you've seen a couple players like this now, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is the theme moving forward. I mean, you saw Isaiah Simmons, who went seventh overall to the Cardinals. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Just absolute freak. Lines up all over eighth. Thank you. Lines up all over the um, lines up all over the field. Uh, Xavier McKinney out of Alabama, same thing, just less athletic. Lines up all over the field. Giants got him at thirty six, if I'm not mistaken. Jeremy Justin. Chin as well. Jeremy Chin, thank you. Um, where was he from? Somewhere Southern Illinois or something? Southern Illinois, yeah. Thank and then yeah, um, Kyle Duggar too, out of Lenore Ryan. Well, another guy that you can kind of line up wherever Lenore you want to. Ryan. We'll we'll see about that one. That one, I think Bill Belichick might outsmart himself. Um, but we'll we'll see about that one. And then again, you know, you got um, you know, safety at the Utah. I think he's same thing. You're just seeing like these players that are just crazy, crazy versatile. And and with the way the NFL is moving, and with more of Bill Belichick kind of trickling down into the NFL, it's hey, why don't we take these players? And especially the ones that can kind of play in that amoeba, they can do a lot of different things that can then set the rest of the defense up to be their absolute best, where if you can have one die, do a bunch of things really, really well. So I think that's pretty important moving forward. So it is kind of cool. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. So in the fourth round, 136 overall, uh, Bryce Hopkins out of Purdue. I think I went Justin last time. So I'll start with Nick. Nick, how do you feel about Bryce Hopkins out of Purdue? Another this will be the third tight end, at least that is yes. like pretty good on the on the team. It, you know, I think it is one of their strongest uh, position groups, if not the strongest. I mean, wide receiver, you know, but yeah. um, uh, phenomenal for for what they were going to do long term. I mean, this just to me ends the conversation of will Gerald ever be retained. Yeah, I think that's the end of it. Um, you know, they're they're going to move on from that. Obviously, Higby saw a tremendous amount of success towards the end of last season. In particular, he gets his contract, and you know, I, it wasn't too too absorbent. Um, you know, for for the value you get with it with a pass catching tight end like that, who, as we highlighted, can block well and mm -hmm. is used in in a lot of those. You know, I think um, one of the concerns is he might he he's been you know um known to have some hand issues 22 mm -hmm. drop passes is not a small oh. amount no. um you know is that over I, his, I, is that over his career i assume there's no way yeah. that was in one year right yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Still, okay. it's 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 not, a, it's lot, not yeah. a small amount you know and again you're playing at purdue what is the talent pool where are the throws right yeah um it, but hitting you in the hands of purdue is not quite the same as hitting you in the hands with joe burrow throwing the ball i don't think so yes. not all mm -hmm. statistics are created equal um <laughs> Because sometimes you just have passes that aren't accurate. Like we look yeah. at Jalen Rieger coming out of TCU, he had 30% of his passes were considered were deemed accurate according to PFF. So um, it, it'd be interesting to, to look up and see what Hopkins is um, like, what his accuracy was. Because mm -hmm. I mean, just looking at Purdue Boilermaker quarterbacks, I mean, we know that none of them are really getting drafted. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, just, no. Yeah. Other than offensive linemen, who's really coming out of Purdue um, in that case. So I mean, again, you know, you, you make some good points. It, Will he be the third tight end on the team? Is there an opportunity to cut Gerald Everett and save even more money in cap space? I don't really know how that works either, but probably not worth it. But it's interesting, you know, teach him and maybe he finds his way onto the field part of the way through the season. One thing that's kind of been a theme in a lot of these that we've been doing recently is the fact that 
these rookies are not going to make nearly as much of an impact as they would have in any other year. No, no. Because they're sitting out. They're not going to get the time with the team, the playbook, any of that. And it's, um, it's kind of a drag, program. honestly. Yeah. The whole off season is, is, you know, well, I wouldn't be surprised if we just jump in and all of a sudden, you know, they go from training camp and you just kind of turn around and it's preseason already. So it's going to be weird, but I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for it. Justin, how do you feel about uh, Bryce Hopkins out of Purdue? Yeah. You know, um, like Nick alluded to, like he's a great, tight end minus the drop so once he can kind of i don't know clear his mind drops are hard because there's a bunch of different things that you can look at maybe he had like three broken fingers that he just kind of played through last year maybe he had a wrist injury maybe there's something else that was going on um sometimes it could even just be as much as the quarterback was just inaccurate like we were just Mm -hmm. talking about so um you kind of watch him you're like all right the talent's there what's going on mentally maybe it's something mm-hmm. mentally maybe something physical uh i'm sure mcveigh can tap into it and then really see what they can kind of get out of this kid yeah that, and that and that makes sense um so some of these very late round picks we have uh safety out of ohio state at 199 overall if i'm not mistaken represented by uh gary vaynerchuk sports agency which is kind of cool uh seventh round 234 overall linebacker out of baylor another seventh round 248 overall uh kicker We'll talk about that. And then seventh, <laughs> they finally draft an offensive lineman. At least it's a guard from Clemson. So that means, you know, he's capable of playing in big games, I guess. But he wasn't um, even the better guard out of Clemson, though. <laughs> well, he went in the seventh round, 250 out of 255. There's a reason for it. Um, out of these four guys, uh, Justin, we'll start with you. I, I guess out of the three, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll leave the kicker out for a second. Uh, who, sure. who's an impact player? Who's going to be, you know, potentially a diamond in the rough? Who's someone that is going to be more than just a special teams player, potentially? I mean, they're, they're all kind of special teams players. Like you, Clay Johnson's coming off of a torn ACL. Is he going to play right away? Probably not. He can't um, even like, is he even able to rehab right now? Like that, that's yeah. pretty tough to kind of manage, but you know what? Playing special teams, like you don't really have to uh, worry too much about being in the dirt, like constantly mm-hmm. playing. So you, you would think that coming to this, coming into the season, whenever we have the season, he'll be relatively healthy, but you just kind of, you kind of worry about that, that torn ACL a little bit, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why a lot of teams were staying away from these injury plagued players. Um, it, 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 it didn't seem to phase the Rams too much though. Um, I, I mean, mainly their, their, their best pick was the kicker. So mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> really can't allude to <laughs> many of the other players like Jordan Fuller was a, was a pretty decent safety at Ohio state, but he'll mm-hmm. probably be more of a special teams depth player than, than anything else. But, you know, as I said before, I made the kind of the joke that, you know, taking a guard out of Clemson, you're going to want to take the talent from Ohio State because they're playing in better systems. They're playing with better players. There's just that better opportunity for someone to pop. Nick, uh, of those three guys, um, you know, especially in those later rounds, who do you think, if any, were you, you know, excited to see the Rams take at least a flyer on? Um, I, I, I mean, again, wanting offensive line. Yeah. That was that was a thing for me, <laughs> you know, and as as we alluded to, um, you know, Clemson, Clemson had some, some real opponents that he had mm-hmm. to go against. And I think, you know, for, for seventh round two fifty or two, uh, uh, two fifty at a two fifty five, mm. like what the heck, if he's, yeah. if he's able to do something and you can develop him awesome, you know, um, he, he's probably going to move to, to inside. I think, um, it seems like, and mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's decent at zone blocking. So if he, if you can get something again, mm-hmm. seventh. Yeah, whatever. exactly. If something comes from it, something comes from it. He came it. from them trading back in, in the fifth. So, like, who cares? It's an extra pick. Exactly. I just thought it was pretty crazy that they just completely passed on Josh Jones. Like Josh Jones was in a free fall instead of taking Van Jefferson, who you could have found a wide receiver pretty much anywhere in the third, fourth, fifth round because of how deep it was. They went wide receiver instead of uh, a potential left tackle to mm-hmm. replace 
Whitworth, like, uh, yeah. or yeah. or right tackle if you need him to play that way. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it, it was just like a it's a weird serious thing. But you know what? Maybe, maybe the Rams are are okay with their their the the guys they have behind their starters yeah. right now. I really do think they are. I, I you know, and and most of the writers again that that you know um, speak with the team and really get a, a feel say they are confident in in the talent they have to develop. Um, it's just weird that they got a clone of two receivers they have already. That's just yes. the strange thing. You know but why they, not? Why not size? That's the kind of wide receiver that that Sean McVay wants. He wants a yeah, guy that he knows can. Jared needs because, the hands. Jared needs the hands help. <laughs> well, yeah, Jared Goff. As long as they're they're wide open, Jared Goff can hit him. They, he can hit them just fine. So I think overall the Rams, you know, and again they picked a kicker uh, in the seventh round. So I love, I mean, the, I love it though. Cool. I love it. Bring the Rex Specs to the pros, man. I had those Let's as a kid go. playing sports. I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. So uh, overall, Nick, uh, you specifically, how did you feel the Rams did? Um, you know, obviously, again, we harped on it the whole time. Uh, they needed offensive line. They didn't really get any. One thing that I think is kind of weird and kind of just listening to you guys talk a little bit about it. So their first pick replacement for a player they let go. Second pick replacement for a player they let go. Third pick replacement for a player they let go. Fourth pick a replacement for a player they're going to let go next year. Fifth pick, a replacement for a player they're going to let go next year. year I understand <laughs> I understand drafting a year ahead, but at the same time, aren't the Rams the in now. a win-now mode? I mean, you don't sign your quarterback to $100 bajillion to say, let's see what happens next year for the next three years. You're you're absolutely correct, and that's what's confusing about it, right? You know, And if you want to believe the, the narrative of mortgaging picks to get these mm-hmm. players you know it's it sends a message it sends a message to the team which you expect and i will say you know being being a fan for for quite some time it was refreshing to have a nine and see a uh, seven season as a disappointment mm-hmm. um yeah, that was nice. that's it's it's a nice <laughs> place to be it has it hasn't been like that i'm grateful for mcveigh and everything he's done to rejuvenate but i i it's confusing mm-hmm. and i i've you know, I don't want to say the window's closed because it it's not. Um, no. I still think they're in the top tier of the NFC teams, but as we'll get to, this division is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. and you know the the expanded playoff format, they would have been in last year, and yep. there's something to be said for that. Um, and they would have played they would have played the Packers if I'm not mistaken, because they would have been yep. the last seed. And they kicked the crap mm-hmm. out of the Packers earlier in the regular season. McVay mm-hmm. will not lose to his assistants. It seems like so. Mm-hmm. You know, take that Belichick, whatever. Yeah, right. uh, you know, uh, the mojo. Uh, yeah, and and you know, so uh, they probably, to me, biased biased though i am i think they might have won that game and then yep. what happens then it's a very different you scenario and in. we talk about this you know and you guys were with me justin and i watched that game live greg zerline missed that kick against seattle mm-hmm. that, that, seattle, happened. Yeah, that happens they've now swept seattle for the record mcveigh's five and one against them could have been six and zero, oh, and they sweep seattle mm-hmm. now that situation switched and everything's different mm-hmm. the whole yeah. division's mm-hmm. upside down so you know I'm, I'm not trying to panic i don't think uh this is all or nothing. I think this is a big year for McVay. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think this is a year where he can kind of prove if he's a fad or if he's really going to establish himself as a prominent coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's some pretty good analysis, Justin. No, I mean, Nick said it all. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, they, good job, Nick. They, they, Go yeah, Rams. <laughs> uh, my, my only worry with the Rams right now is going to come down to the cap. Like I understand that they're going to be letting a lot of these, these players they drafted as rookies mm-hmm. and they're, they're They drafted, developed them. They turned into pretty good players and they're just letting them go. Um, it doesn't exactly send a great message to a lot of players in the locker room when they're like, okay, you know what? We're going to mortgage our future. We're going to give up two first round draft picks. Mm-hmm. And we're going to bring in Jalen Ramsey. 
Ramsey. We're going to give him a $100 million contract. We have Aaron Donald on a $100 million contract, and we have Jared Goff on a $136 million contract. It's like, all right, so you have a lot of money. You have a lot of money, which means that there's not going to be a lot of depth. Mm -hmm. And then now, all of a sudden, you're going to be losing your left tackle. You lost your running back. You lost a wider, you trade away a wide receiver, and now the defense looks totally different than what it was two years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm fine with them. I'm I'm fine with some of those contracts, but some of them are are not okay. Golf's in particular, you guys know, I'm lukewarm yeah. at best. You know, mm. on a, on a good day, on a nice sunny hot mm-hmm. day, you're lukewarm about it. Yeah, um, looking, to go. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, he was yeah. he was pretty much useless last year. I mean, obviously the concussions. It's kind of sad. Yes. Hopefully, yeah, he doesn't yeah. actually have like long term brain injury. The dude's like 26 years old, which is crazy. He's been. It feels like he's been in the league for 10 years. Dude's oh, 26 he has years it. old. He has it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just crazy. And just kind of looking at their schedule: home against Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona, obviously. And they also have the Giants, Dallas, New England, the Jets, and Chicago. Uh, I mean, let's say they split the division. Giants should be an easy win. Dallas is weird at best. New England, we don't know what the heck they're going to look like. Jets should be an easy win in Chicago. Same thing. Weird at best. So even thinking about it from that perspective, that isn't, you know, the, isn't not the easiest schedule away games with Philadelphia and Washington. Washington should be fine. I'm not worried. Miami, Buffalo, Tampa Bay. I mean, they have, a, I don't think they have the hardest schedule, but I don't think they have the easiest schedule. I do think, as you no. said, though, the division is, probably the best in the nfl i would say if not top two uh yeah. considering 49ers and seahawks are always going to be there just because as we said russell wilson's a magician mm-hmm. and i think the cardinals did get better um they and, did. you know they did like kyler murray definitely could have that you know either that sophomore slump or that sophomore bump as we saw with cut you know not to compare him to lamar jackson they're obviously different but i don't know maybe cliff kingsbury figures it out in his gigantic home with his fireplace and his turf um outside his house uh, you, you just never really know how that happens so I don't know. I I mean, I guess from a fantasy perspective, what do you guys think are some of the opportunities, especially for some of these draft picks, as well as, you know, Jared Goff, Cooper Cup and uh, and Robert Woods, Justin? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, I'm buying Josh Reynolds, depending on where he's starting to go in in, in, in all these drafts. Like, I, I understand that they, they drafted Van Jefferson and they have three tight ends that they can get on the field at any point, but they still run a lot of three and four wide receiver sets. And that's something that Sean McVay loves to do because he loves to spread the field out. And he loves to to create a perfect one-on-one situation with a certain play. Mm-hmm. Like every single play, it seems like Sean McVay is like, okay, you know what? Tyler Higby is getting this play. He's going to run a 10-yard slant. And then all of a sudden we're, we're having all the, all the other wide receivers run a drag route across the field, um, just to the other side. That way we have, uh, Higby on a, on a one V one against their linebacker. And I know he's going to win that play. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Higby is another guy that I'm looking, especially with how, how yes. weak tight yeah. end is, um, uh, and with how strong he was with like those last five, six games when Gerald Everett was kind of hurt. Just and then insane. they really started to see, yeah, he, he, he really blew it up. Um, I mean, I'm not really buying into any of the rookies that they drafted just yet, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we're going to take a wait and see approach. We're going to really mm-hmm. see because Josh Reynolds looked pretty good in some of the games that he was playing in. But you know what? He was playing in most of those games. A lot of times he really just kind of faded a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll see if maybe another year in the system and, and with him being coined as a starter will maybe help his confidence a little bit. Yeah. Nick, how about you? Anyone in particular? I, I think, you know, Cooper Cup, um, Cooper Cup was if I'm not mistaken, first through week eight or nine in, in the league for mm-hmm. fantasy um, and just fell off a cliff mm-hmm. with, yep. with arguably some of the, uh, the rest of the Rams offense. You know, I think, I think losing cooks hurt him a lot at the very least. Um, you know, cooks kind of became a decoy, unfortunately, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, but I, I do see that with uh, Reynolds, as Justin said, has, has excelled. Um, he's third in the depth chart right now. So we'll see, you know, as, as things progress um, this off season, 
being very different. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure quite what Van Jefferson's role will be, but I do think Cup will benefit from another talent on the field. Um, and I, I, I'm all in on Higby. I really am. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be top five position um, at the end of the year, you know, pushing into that top tier. Not to say he's he's Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz. Um, no, but I think he's going to be right on, right on that cusp. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I picked him up in a couple leagues. I uh, wish I played him in the championship round in one league, but I didn't. So that was two TDs. One, one, thing I do, <laughs> one, one thing I do want to say, though, is um, of all the running backs that were drafted, Cam Akers was drafted to the best spot outside of mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yep, um, yep. So, like, if you're ranking them in Dynasty, it's going to go Clyde, yep. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Jonathan Taylor, just because of the experience and uh, just just the, the position that he fell to, um, and then Cam Akers is solid number three right now. It's a guy mm-hmm. you definitely want to buy on. Yeah, of those rookie running backs, because I mean, you look at J.K. Dobbins; he's going to have Mark Ingram in front of him, or at least split a little bit of time there. Um, if you who DeAndre else? Swift, DeAndre Swift, Swift. I yeah, still don't really under. Mm-hmm. I, I don't Who's know. Who's Johnson doing? I, exactly. I mean, so DeAndre Swift makes sense, but again, this is just such a weird offseason. I, as you guys said, don't really want to bank anything on those running backs. So I don't know. I think. Uh, the Rams make the playoffs because there's that extra team uh, available. As you said, they would have done it last year. They I were agree. a kick away from being 10 and six and, and being exactly where Seattle was. So I think some things will definitely change next year. And um, if anybody didn't realize Nick's a pretty big Rams fan, that's why we probably spent most of the time talking about the Rams, which is completely <laughs> fine with me. Not a problem at all. Um, I love it. So moving on, moving on to hour two of our show, we're going to talk about the rest <laughs> of the NFC West. So we're going to start with Seattle uh, finished 10 and six, if I'm not mistaken there or 11 and five, I don't actually remember. Uh, somebody looked that up. So they, um, you know, came into the year. They're always incredible. They trade for Judavian Clowney for like pennies on the dollar, just because Bill O'Brien's going to Bill O'Brien. They brought in Josh Gordon. That didn't really work out. Um, they, they had some weird stuff going on. Clowney's still unsigned. They br- did bring in Greg Olson, which I think is pretty cool. They brought back Bruce Irvin, which I also think is pretty cool. And they <laughs> traded Quentin Dunbar. So that's kind of nice, I guess they did have both of their running backs in like, right one after the other go down with not just season ending injuries, but like pretty bad injuries. Uh, uh, Penny Rashad Penny towards ACL relatively late in the season. Chris Carson, I think broke his hip kind of like Mm -hmm. Tua, which is pretty crappy. So we'll see what happens there. Mm -hmm. Um, Nick going into the draft, what did you think Seattle was in need of most? I mean, line, like, what are you doing to Russell Wilson? I don't get it. And the man is a wizard, a magician, an escape artist, whatever you can use to say he's elusive, right? And he is phenomenal. I'm very jealous of his talent. Um, he's a blast to watch, you know, but but they hang him out to dry. And I don't understand it. He's very, you know, he's a, he's a smart quarterback and he's good at avoiding getting hit you know mm-hmm. he'll 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 dodge he'll fall he'll do what he needs to do not get smacked and just kind of get clipped and those things make a big difference um you know just just ask uh robert griffin the third right yeah i mean it, yep. it makes a big difference um you know i i'm surprised they didn't go line i, I but yeah. it's been that way his whole career and we joke about it with one of our you know one of our friends who's mm-hmm. a seahawks fan that watches with us too i mean it's crazy that it's still happening but apparently it works for them yeah, they they keep making the playoffs. So I don't know. Maybe the joke's on us, but like, I, yeah, I, it never right. makes sense to me. I mean, it took till the third round for them to gr- draft an offensive lineman. They drafted a guard. At least it was at LSU. Yeah, at least it was at LSU. Exactly. Like there 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 could be worse places to take one from. So I guess starting uh, with the draft, first pick. Um, Number 27 overall, Jordan Brooks, linebacker out of Texas. I know a lot of people had him in the first round, then out of the first round, and back into the first round again. Justin, what can you tell us about this kid from <laughs> from, uh, from Texas Tech? Texas Tech. Yeah, no, he 
you know what? He, he's. <laughs> I'm so confused. Like, so you have Bobby <laughs> Wagner and KJ Wright. KJ Wright, I, I believe his contract expires in the next season, but he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Bobby Wagner, 29 years old, still uh, an All Pro linebacker. So, you're drafting a, a linebacker to sit behind them. Are you now like I, I know that they they ran a four three front last year. So is Jordan Brisk going to be the other linebacker that's going to kind of be, I don't know, taking the reins, kind of going forward? Maybe they're kind of looking for some cap casualties, and maybe they're going to be looking to offset KJ Ray's contract, move him around, or just let him walk completely. Um, like he, Jordan Brooks, great player, but why did you draft a linebacker in the first round? It seems like very Seattle move. Um, Nick, do you? How, mm-hmm. What? What can you tell me? What have you read and, and understood about this pick? No, you know, Justin hit it on the head, right? And 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 I think about cap casualties, particularly with what he said, because everything I've I you know researched, this is a Bobby Wagner clone, so they say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so good against not a the bad run. clone to have. Right, right. Yeah. An impressive comparison for sure, perhaps a bit grandiose, but either way, that's the comparison. So does this mean that they're not going to pay KJ right? You know, cap casualties are something that uh, affect them. You know, to name a couple, right? Um, Josh Gordon is unsigned. Procise is unsigned. Jadavian Clowney is unsigned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like, what are what are Again, we talk about the message to the team. Are they going to retain these guys? Is KJ Wright going to be there? Is that the whole point? Is this a year ahead? I don't know. Um, it's certainly a talented player, and and if you can if you can mold him or do what you want mm-hmm. with him, great. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Again, I mean, they keep making the playoffs. We keep making fun of them, and they keep laughing in our face. So yeah, uh, they they, they, they have Bowl. this. Say it again. Only one Super Bowl though to they show out. Like, we, we are we, away we, from a dynasty. Yeah, I, I, that's crazy. But they they didn't become a dynasty. We, we were yeah. all certain that this was going to be like the next Patriots, and then we see how quickly yeah. it it doesn't always happen that way. It's it very Legion of Boom is gone. Legion they're, of Boom yeah. is gone. They're completely yeah. gone. But I mean, it is still funny. They you know it. They're still always there. Their defense is still always at least good enough. And Russell Wilson's still enough of a magician that hey, I mean they'll they'll figure out a way. I, I'll put money down on it right now. I'm pretty sure the Seahawks make the playoffs again. That's just what they oh, do, yeah. especially with an extra extra spot now. I think that's that's pretty uh, almost guaranteed. So in the second round, they're 16th, um, 16th in the second round, number 48 overall. Daryl or Darrell Taylor edge out of Tennessee. So this is at least some rushing opportunities. Nick, what do you know about this gentleman out of Tennessee? Um, I mean, you know, I, I still think, and and what I found is that he's still kind of raw, right? There's, there's some skill there, of course, the athleticism, but there's some stuff they need to develop, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and 16 and a half sacks over the last two years. It's impressive. Um, you know, yeah. they seem to live and die with the defensive front. That's been something that they've mm-hmm. they've done mostly well, um, at least from my perspective, with some guys that might not have excelled in, in similar situations. Um, you know, so if if it works for them, great, especially with, with some of the guys that we mentioned that they're at least haven't signed yet. I don't know what mm-hmm. Clowney will do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you lose uh, Ziggy Anza as well and uh, Quentin Jefferson, you know, so they have to have to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. You know what? T- Taylor's one. Of, Taylor's a, a pass rush specialist, and not to say that he's mm-hmm. not good against the run because he's he's pretty good against the run. But he's he's a bendy defensive end edge rusher that's going to get mm-hmm. to the quarterback, and it's something that they they really wanted to pay Jadavion Clowney to do. But Clowney just doesn't he doesn't get over that hump. He's never, he's a great run stuffer. Um, he he does well enough just because he's a physical freak. But he's not that ten sack, twelve sack, fourteen sack a year guy. Taylor, his upside can be that, which mm-hmm. is, it, it, it seems that 
the Seahawks won't be signing Clowney unless they're getting him at a much cheaper no. uh, contract than than what he was originally off. He wanted uh, twenty. For, thank you. No. Yeah, I, I, I that he point. he wanted twenty, but and then he he uh, it sounds like he dropped it to seventeen, and now it sounds yeah. like it's dropping even further. So if they get him to fifteen million dollars a year, that's a steal because you're, mm-hmm. you're still getting a, a a great guy that you know that you could you can bring him right away. You know he's going to help the defensive front, um, but at least you have another guy that's rushing off the edge with him. Yeah, and I think, again, you know, you guys know how I feel about it. Build up the lines. Seattle doesn't believe in the offensive line, but at least they believe in the defensive line, and they can actually do something with that. Um, Jeremy, we'll get there. Calm down. Um, so one one thing I always like to point out, um, or is always a question, it's kind of more of a philosophical question from my standpoint. If if Leonard Williams and Jadavian Clowney were on the same defensive line, does a tree get sacked in the woods? Like, you'll never really know, right? Uh-huh. You, like, you'll never really know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's always a question to me. Um, so in the third round, uh, fifth pick overall in that round, 69, nice overall. Damian Lewis, mm-hmm. offensive guard out of LSU, as we've been saying, take these kids from these schools like LSU and Alabama and Ohio State. Live in and the SEC. They're getting the best possible talent. It's just how it works. Georgia as well. Uh, Justin, you said this is a good guard. Tell me why you think this is a good offensive mm-hmm. line pick for the Seahawks. It's a great pick for them because he's a better run blocker than he has a pass blocker. Not to say that he's not a good pass blocker, but mm. you know what? What Seattle does best is they they run the damn ball. They they just force feed this ball down in their throats, and then mm. w- once they establish the run, that's when Russell becomes a magician because he's play action passing all over the freaking field. And they have these wide receivers that are you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You have I mean, they're obviously two totally different players, but they're both very fast. They can get down mm. the field, and it's a guy. And then they're both guys that you can get the ball to, um, especially with how wide open they can be once the play action pass is established mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think you know that's that's pretty important um because again seahawks do not care about pass blocking russell wilson will just make it happen at that point so if they can run the ball he will be more effective that's just how it works nick how do you feel about this pick in the third round you know i think what's going to help them is he can compete to start right away um he's he's potentially you know going to be playing you know one of the one of the um the friends of ours, who's a big Seahawks fan, says he bets by week four or five. Um, you know, so that's that's pretty immediate, and mm-hmm. perhaps it's a little optimistic. I, I don't know. He is a homer, of course, but even point being that if you can get that and and have him come in right away, Russ needs it. We know mm-hmm. that. We've been saying it. So awesome if it works out for them. And you know, these these SEC guards. I mean, they play arguably the best defensive lines in all of college football over and over and over and over and over. So. Mm-hmm. You know, he's tested. Exactly. He is tested. And I think that's, again, another reason why you should take the guys out of uh, some of these schools and some of these divisions. So moving on to the fourth round, a couple picks in the fourth round, 133, Colby Parker, tight end out of Stanford, 144, DJ Dallas running back out of Miami. Um, Justin, is the U back? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it, okay. I mean, it's fully game there. They, they, they have some, they have some, some talent coming out next year. Uh, Rose. Rosé, Rossois, I, I forget how you say his name. The, the defensive end edge rusher coming out next year is projected to be like a top 10 pick. So they clearly have some talent coming back. I, I know that they're, they're kind of reestablishing and changing the culture a little bit mm-hmm. from what it has been. So um, we'll, we'll kind of see we'll what see. Miami can do next year. Tell me about these guys, though, if you don't mind. Yeah, so so Parkinson is, is that t- prototypical tight end. Uh, you line him up along the line. He's he, he blocks pretty well, catches pretty well. He's just like this giant six foot seven, just mammoth of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell will love throwing the ball to, and it's ideally kind of what they were hoping Jimmy Graham could could could, could end up being, mm-hmm. uh, just a red zone threat that that Russell needs to throw to because Tyler Lockett can't get it done. DJ Mac, uh, DK Metcalf. I mean, 
pretty good in the red zone, but he seems like he's a little bit better away from the red zone. So hopefully they they drafted a guy that can help them in that area. Um, DJ Dallas is, is another running back that will be a smaller guy, but because Chris Carson is in the last year of his contract, they have to start looking forward to the future just because they're paying a bunch of guys too much money. Well, not mm-hmm. too much for Russell, but for some other positions. Um, so they ha- kind of have to look towards the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that makes sense. I mean, again, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson came from the same draft, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see, uh, you know, how how that kind of shakes out and adding somebody. They're both hurt. So Carson adding... was drafted the year before. Was he really? I apologize, but it's still yeah, because Penny, Penny was the first round pick. Okay, thank you. Thank yeah, you, thank he, you. he he was a late round pick, and then he he really kind of came on at the end of the mm-hmm. season, and then and then they came back and drafted Rashad Penny in the first round, which another eye opener. But clearly, the Seahawks know what they're doing. No, because Maybe. that one makes no sense because Penny's been pretty useless his entire time there. So it's just a complete waste of a first round pick. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Again, they keep making the playoffs. If only they were, you know, just a little bit better at drafting in, in certain situations, at least in hindsight, uh, that's always very important. And then so for uh, a couple of their later round picks, um, fifth round, 184, Alton Robinson, defensive end out of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Nick, what can you tell me about this guy? 19 tacks, 32 tackles for loss. That's that's, That's pretty good. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Syracuse. So yeah, exactly. ACC, yeah. ACC, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, but it's, it's still not too bad. Um, I, without my fandom coming in too much and my rivalry with Seattle, if you will, um, I'm not surprised Seattle drafted somebody who has some question marks as far as character <laughs> concerns. Um, genuinely though, genuinely, yeah, right. No, you know, they have, they have a reputation of doing this and usually it seems to be fairly successful for them um, to, to their credit. You know, Pete Carroll's able to do what he's got to do. He's a player's mm-hmm. coach. The guys love him and he's able to get, you know, um, production from them. Um, and, and whether, you know, obviously the charges were dropped against him. So, you know, I think that's important um, to, to note, of course, because, you know, it's it's really the end result. But at the same point in time, there is kind of a question mark as far as that's concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's pretty funny, but I, I like the way you're looking at it. And again, yes, 19 sacks, 32 tackles for loss. Even if it is in the ACC, no, not everybody's putting up those types of statistics. So there is something mm-hmm. in that. Uh, sixth round, uh, 214 overall. You guys can both have this one. We have a wide receiver out of Florida. Justin, can you give me the chomp this time, I think? <laughs> Nick gave it to us last time. How do you feel about this guy out of Florida? I mean, most people kind of viewed him as an undrafted free agent. So, I mean, I mean, you draft him in the sixth round, so it's nothing like it's uh, you didn't draft him too early or too mm-hmm. late. You just kind of got him about where you were going to get him. And I mean, you basically got him as a return specialist. Like he he was kind of an okay wide receiver while he's playing. Uh, it was kind of hard to really watch that Florida offense because Felipe Franks is very inaccurate, not very good quarterback. And then, and then Kyle Trask came in, in, and half. Kyle Trask yeah. is all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously, Van Jefferson was always the wide receiver one, and on that team. And mm-hmm. I mean. Freddie Swain just kind of just wrote the coattails of that. It is what it is. I mean, again, it doesn't hurt to have another wide receiver in there. They lost Doug Baldwin at uh, la- beginning of last year. He unfortunately had to retire, I think, from a neck injury or something, which kind of stunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, again, DK Metcalf was fun, but he runs one route. And Tyler Lockett, I think, has emerged as the new book, Doug Baldwin. What? He's got, don't, don't worry. Met- Met- Metcalf's route tree really expanded last year. I, understand I want him to be didn't... great. I want him to be great, but like, I don't, he I ran him away. I don't want that. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's, I, don't worry. He's, he's, he's going to be a, he's going to be a monster next year. Sumner's Perfect. not, Sumner's not listening, dude. Don't worry. You, you can say I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> no, I, was I don't have to blow smoke up anyone's ass. Like he's, DK uh, Metcalf is legit. All right. And then seventh round, another wide receiver, Steven Sullivan out of LSU. Now here's the thing. I watched a lot of LSU Tight games. Tight end. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, oh, okay. he, he was more of a tight end. I understand that they, they he was like that tweener type, but he was really more of a tight end for LSU last year. We'll kind of see how the Seahawks really want to play him this year because, I don't know, they, well, they have Greg Olson, so hopefully a guy that can be a little bit of a, a leadership role for him. He's going to be there for a year. I mean, he already has his contract yeah. practically signed with Fox to go and hang out with Kenny Albert in the booth. But one thing <laughs> I could say about Stephen Sullivan is I watched a lot of LSU yet last year. I cannot remember a single time hearing his name called. So I it's mean, all about Moss. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even get drafted, yeah. so yeah. you know it is what it is. But like, how how do you guys feel, Justin? I guess we'll start with you. Uh, no, sorry, we started with you last time, Nick. How do you feel about this? You know, random dude out of LSU coming from the literally most potent offense of all time. That's and you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I mean, statistically, that was the offense of college offenses we've mm -hmm. ever seen. You know, and who is he? He's a wide receiver turned tight end turned wide receiver that's <laughs> listed as one thing and kind of does a little bit of both, but that means he's not really great at either. Mm -hmm. So I don't know for, for two fifty one in the seventh, what the heck, you know, you're, you yeah. might get a tight end, um, with Wilson and Dis Disley and mm -hmm. I'm not, mm -hmm. and, um, yep. you know, they both were hurt. Both have been hurt. Clearly durability is a concern there. So maybe he plays three games for you. Great. Yeah. You know, whatever it's at two fifty one. Yeah, exactly. It's seventh round. It's a flyer. Jacob Polster, I think too. They signed him to like yes. one of those yeah, really tiny you. little deals that uh, he got with. So, I mean, again, you know, we talked about it. They needed offensive line. So they got one offensive lineman exactly mm -hmm. like the Rams. At least they picked one a little bit earlier, but I guess Justin, Much we'll start one. with you. <laughs> Justin, we'll start with you. How do you feel about the Seahawks draft overall uh, moving forward? Uh, I mean, outside of their first round draft pick, I thought they 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 drafted pretty well. Terrell, you're going to get a possible edge rusher that mm -hmm. they desperately need. Uh, they finally drafted a, a, a pretty decent guard because um, their starting offensive line right now is just nondescript. Like it's really mm -hmm. hard to kind of look at them and be like, all right, who are these guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Alton Robinson. I, I, Alton Robinson was one of my favorite sleeper defensive end edge rushers coming out. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly, everyone saw the production, but it sounded like it was a lot of character concerns that really yeah. pushed him down. But he fell to a good spot um, where they can kind of help him uh, groom him into a model citizen. I don't know. Maybe he's not. I, it, it's really hard to to, to kind of like question these kids' characters when we never talk to them. We never really hear anything from mm -hmm. them. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll I, I thought it was a good draft. I, the, the Jordan Brooks first round pick was just uh, I don't know, crazy. Uh, speaking of Jordan Brooks, not to be that guy, but to break some news on our uh, our live our live Hello. chat. Apparently, he just had social, shoulder surgery. It's considered non-serious. Had it today. Yeah. To, yeah. Right, we're talking about mm -hmm. the linebacker. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm yeah, yeah. In general, you know, it's something to uh, to think about whether that was really is going to fill a void mm -hmm. for them. I don't know. It makes mm -hmm. sense, and we know they live and die by that defense. Whether no matter what Russ Wilson does, they need to play defense um, to win. That's just kind of how it works. And so, I mean, looking at it overall, I thought it was. I thought it was John Snyder and Pete Carroll no more than I do. So I'll kind of just give it to him, I guess, at that point. And we'll see. Again, Russell mm -hmm. Wilson's going to be a magician. He's going to do everything he needs to do. If mm -hmm. DJ Dallas can do anything in terms of being a running back, because we really don't know what's going to, you're going to get out of either of those running backs. Rashad Penny and Chris Carson mm -hmm. both got hurt, as I said. Pretty bad injuries towards the end of the year, too. That's the worst part. It's not like it happened in week three or four. It happened in week 14 yeah. and week 16. You know, that, that's why Marshawn Lynch had to come in. And, um, you know, it's just it's an unfortunate situation. So, um, again, with that extra playoff spot, how do you guys feel Seattle is looking next year in terms of do they make the playoffs or not? Um, I, I, I think they do. I don't, yeah. I don't see any reason for them to, you know, with the expansion of those, I think, 
um, biasly, you're going to get at least one NFC West team in the wild card and maybe another one in that spot. We mm. might see three come out of the division and one of them is definitely going to be Seattle. You know, mm. you look around the competition of the league for who they're going to have to fight for those places. I mean, you're looking at really whether it's Minnesota or potentially, you know, one Philly of the or Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the NFC South is, is the yeah, question. The NFC though, South is going to be crazy. You potentially have three more teams coming out of that division yeah. too. So it's NFC is going to be brutal to go through. Yeah, NFT is going to be fun. And as we said, you know, Seattle easily could have been out of the playoffs if Greg Zerline kicks that field goal and they don't even make it to the, you know, divisional round. So it's pretty crazy how this stuff works. Justin, how do you feel about um, the, the Seattle, the Seahawks and the playoff picture? Yeah, I, I mean, and it's still clearly the 49ers at the top. Um, they have one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. They have a, mm. a very good head coach that kind of really knows what he's doing, uh, just has has an issue in the big game. So as long as he can get there again, I mean, you can't really consider him a bust. Mm. Um, I, I mean, and I really do love what the Cardinals put together. I, I think on paper that that team got much better after their draft, mm. um, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, and thank you for saying big game, so we don't get sued for using the term Super Bowl. I really do appreciate that. I got That's you. pretty great. You're, you're good, man. You just said it. <laughs> uh, damn it! Uh, you win. All right, find me five dollars. Someone shoot me a Venmo request. Coming Jeremy, at you now. I got Jeremy, you. shoot me a Venmo request. Um, I would really appreciate that. So uh, next along the way, we have the Arizona Cardinals moving in. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. He's still just somehow there. Great. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, they lost a couple. They lost Farrell Cooper, which okay. Uh, lost Rodney Gunter. Okay. Lost Joe Walker. Okay. Cassius Mars. All right. Like it doesn't seem like they had any huge, huge departures. Um, I think the most important thing they did was bring in Deandre Hopkins and ship yes. out, um, uh, David Johnson kept Kenyon Drake on a weird transition tag. So he's making a couple bucks, but he's only there for essentially another year. They still have Edmonds as well. Chase Edmonds brought in Jordan Phillips from the bills and Devon Kennard from Detroit, former Giant, actually, which is kind of cool. So, uh, Justin, moving into the Arizona Cardinals, what did you think their number one or their needs were moving into the draft? Uh, just a lot of defense. Like, clear, very clearly, you saw that Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have this connection. That they, As long as Kyler can keep developing, this is going to be an incredibly potent offense. Um, once you add DeAndre Hopkins into it, it's like, okay, wow, this is going to be a crazy offense next year. Yeah. Um, minus whatever was going on with David Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. You have a full year with all that with Kenyon Drake, with, and then in the opposite, they drafted a guy who I thought was a complete steal in Eno Benjamin. Um, they got him like the sixth or seventh round. So um, just to just to I don't know, they're they're, they're going to be another team that's going to be like floating around like the eight and eight potential wild mm-hmm. card. But the problem is because of the teams that are in their division, it's going to be a tough road for them to go through. It's going to be really interesting, and I'm kind of excited to see. You know, as you said, they're they're pretty cool. They're a pretty interesting team. I mean, Kyler Murray can take that step forward. The offense is, it should be awesome, or at least it should be more. It was fun to watch last year, considering. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be even more fun to watch this year if you just take away a player that essentially didn't play for the last, what, like 12 weeks of the year and replace him with the top, one of the top three wide receivers in the game at this time. And you still have Larry Fitzgerald there, which is absolutely incredible. So I'm pretty excited to see what the team can do. Hopefully, Cliff Kingsbury can start to dial some stuff up. So, first round pick. Number eight overall, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker out of Clemson, uh, linebacker, athletic freak, whatever you want to call him. Nick, yeah, what can you tell us? Up. What else can you tell us that we are, don't already know about Isaiah Simmons? I mean, he's he's arguably the best, um, you know, one of the best, if not the best defensive player, Chase Young being yeah. Chase Young. Um, but, you know, he's, he's phenomenal. Um, the versatility is incredible. You know, I was reading one of the things that Vance Joseph says, um, he really doesn't expect him to spend much time in as, you know, with the cornerback or safety kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like he'll be 
more in the front end. Um, but you know, one of the one of the stats that I highlighted, right, is he's going to help them cover tight ends a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cardinals, I read this, let up a league high um, 1,173 receiving yards, 8.9 yards per target, and 16 <laughs> touchdowns to opposing Holy tight shit. ends. That is that is horrendous. That is a a clearly glaring problem that mm. you need to address. Um, you know, and hopefully that's something he can help them do. Yeah, that's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're looking at a division in. As we said, Higby didn't come on to the end of the year, so I don't know if that was a game against the Cardinals. At least George Kittle, so obviously, okay. Yes. He, he does what yeah. he's going to do against you. But then Seattle, I mean, weirdly enough, Disley was awesome while he was there. He gets hurt. Hollister yeah. comes in, still yeah. good. But, I mean, I understand there's some a couple games against some good tight ends there, but there's no reason to let up essentially, a, a, literally a touchdown a game to tight yeah. ends. That's right. not, Especially with how bad the tight end position is in the NFL, at least not as deep as it normally is. It's it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy that we see something like that happen. Justin, how do you feel about Isaiah Simmons specifically working in um, Vance Joseph's uh, defense? Yeah. So there, I get what he said, where they said that they, they weren't going to line him up at safety and cornerback. And I understand like you, he's not going to play corner. They have two pretty good corners yeah. right now in Byron Murphy and, and Patrick Pearson, that there's no reason that he should be playing out there. Um, he is good enough that he could hold his own, mm-hmm. but he will be much better against car- guarding those tight ends. And this was basically, I don't want to say the main reason for this was to, to, to combat George Kittle and like just, just ever growing tight end position. That is just like, you're taking guys like Steven Sullivan, who, I don't know. Like they're they're like these athletic freaks that they're mm-hmm. just coming out and they're 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 six five, two hundred forty five pounds, and they they run fast like the wind. So why not draft a kid like this who ran like a four three nine forty who can cover anything, he can blitz and he can tackle. Like he could do everything that you want a linebacker to do and then some. Yeah, I'm the one thing. So I think he's incredible, and I mean, I wanted the Giants to draft him until probably like the two weeks leading up to the draft, realizing no offensive line is so much more important than a linebacker. <laughs> where where is the you know. It, there is that weird line of, you know, there's a reason why a lot of tweeners don't work. There's a reason why a lot of tweeners don't make it. Why Justin, do you think he's not a tweener and why do you think he is kind of more of a hybrid than a, than a tweener, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. A lot of times these guys don't have established positions, but they're in college because you, you want to, you, I mean, the college coaches, they're playing to win the game. They're playing to mm-hmm. save their jobs. They're playing to do whatever they can to create as much money yeah. for their, their college as possible. So that, that just means whatever you can do to win. Um, I, I, Isaiah Simmons, you're playing at a, a phenomenal school with a great coach, a great defensive coach. Um, so like you, you brought in a guy that's going to come in. And he basically he was that defense. He, he mm-hmm. did everything that you needed him to do and then some, which means that he's, he's he's totally okay with doing whatever defensive scheme you need him to do. He said he was learning four different positions every single week leading up to the, the game. So clearly he's, his football intelligence yeah. is through the roof. He's able to really do whatever you need him to do. I understand that there's there's a stigma of, well, maybe he's just an athlete that's playing defense or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know what? He's a linebacker through and through. He's going to play his tail off and he's, he's going to succeed in the NFL. I love it. I mean, again, I, I want him to succeed. I think it's great. Um, the Moving on, the Cardinals did not have a second round pick, but again, they bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Worth I mean, I know we're it. not really, you know, we're, t- we're here to talk about the draft, but how much fun, Nick, do you think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be? And, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, he has no excuses now. His offensive line oh. is decent enough and you have one of the best wide receivers. I mean, what do you think him and Kyler Murray do this second year? Uh, personally, I think it's going to be 
awful in a great way. I think for mm. for me as a Rams fan, it's going to be terrible. Um, get to see the Jalen rivalry matchup. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think cool. about that. And they mm. actually um, apparently are pretty good friends. Oh, not shit. not oh, okay. so much. Okay. Um, they have a good relationship, and and it's one of the few people you actually see Jalen speak respectfully about is uh, DeAndre mm. Hopkins. Um, so I think there's something to be said there for the level of competitor that he knows he is and just the talent that is obviously undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if he's not the best receiver in as far as, as um, hands, you know, maybe you dock him for the size, perhaps compared to a Michael Thomas, you know, Julio Jones type of uh, player, if that's what you like, but he's amazing. What he's going to do for um, Murray is great because he does not drop the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's just going to do wonders for his confidence. Um, you know, you think about who he's throwing it to um, with with, you know, what they had previously. Obviously, Christian Kirk is OK. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, he's the man, but he's 59. So it's it's kind of <laughs> like <laughs> it's like what what is the point of that? Um, you know, respectfully to Larry, um, you know, Walter Payton, good dude. Or Walter incredible Peter. person yeah but you yeah, know like how, how realistic is that so to have somebody who's just going to instantaneously jump start it and just bring a culture in you know for for what some of those receivers now come to expect and i think you know he and murray if they haven't already become best friends need to become best mm-hmm. friends um and uh-huh. it's going to help it's going to help everybody around them yeah i think as a rams fan yeah i think it's going to be awesome justin how do you feel about it yeah, I mean, this is going to be another incredible offense. And I, I understand that there's a lot of people trying to make the Lamar Jackson and how that, how great of a jump he had from year one to year two. But Kyler looked pretty phenomenal as a rookie yeah. quarterback as, what, 21, 22 years old. Um, so you can only assume that he's going to keep growing, keep growing as a quarterback, especially in a, in a, in a, in a offensive system mm-hmm. where Cliff Kingsbury, just like Sean McVay, really knows how to, to key in on certain players, find the matchup that he wants, and then just exploit the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we will see. I think um, also kind of the, the craziest part is the trade. All they really did was lose that second round pick. David Johnson was essentially mm-hmm. a non-factor, as we said, for the last, what, like 12 weeks of the year, it feels like. So he he, he started out great, got kind of hurt, I guess, and then pissed somebody off and didn't really come back in, which was pretty Huge. weird. So Huge. it's just a weird situation. Mm, so. Here's some more kind of breaking news. Uh, oh. Pete Carroll hinted in a radio interview to, in a radio interview today that Rashad Penny will probably begin the season on the reserve PUP list. Oh wow! Yeah, so that'll be pretty crazy. Kind of watching how those running backs develop, mm-hmm. and especially when you get DJ Dallas, who I mean, he's pretty good with running between the tackles, but he's more of an outside scat back kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So they're really going to be relying on Chris Carson as long as he's healthy enough to to start the season. Yeah, I don't know. He broke his hip, so we'll we'll see. I guess how that happens. But that's interesting. Look at that, guys nobody's watching but we're freaking breaking news and that is the dedication i appreciate of you both of you i really do thank you um moving on to the third round number 72 overall josh jones offensive tackle out of houston some people like our friend Derek. i hope he's watching had him going in the top 10 so if this is a top 10 talent going overall overall at 72 that is incredible incredible value uh nick how do you feel about josh jones out of houston fading into this offense Again, it's it's hard because I've really enjoyed the Cardinals being the punching bag, and it was so nice <laughs> to not have to worry about those two games. And even when the Rams were the Jeff Fisher Rams, other than Bruce Arian, Carson Palmer run right, Cardinals are are soft, and they've always yeah. been soft, and it hasn't been a concern. Um, so you know, for them to get somebody like this again, not to say I was as quite as um, robustly into him as as mm-hmm. our good colleague Derek but you know for the point being that it's a phenomenal talent 
Um, you know, he's gonna he's gonna immediately be able to protect Murray. Um, one of the things that that you know I wanted to highlight was um, it sounds like he's gonna transition to right guard since mm-hmm. uh, DJ Humphreys will be or right tackle I should say since DJ Humphreys will be the left tackle, um, which is interesting given some of the matchups he'll then have. I don't know them off the top of my head, um, but as far as some of the players he'll now get potentially, or he, he will see that he might not have will be interesting, but he's still going to help Murray a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. They needed offensive line help as we spoke about. Um, Justin, uh, I mean, again, you, you spoke highly of him. You weren't clearly as high as Derek was, but I mean, getting this guy at 72 overall just cause seems like a complete steal considering most people had a relative first, first round grade on him, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things I think Steve Thompson in an interview today that he started making calls to GMs when Josh Jones started like this free fall and he started calling the other GMs. He was like, did he kill somebody and try to hide it? And that way, that's one of the reasons why he felt like was his character that, that, that poor, that, I, I don't know. It was just one of the weird things that I was like, all right, come on, Jaguar. So someone has to trade up and grab this guy, but he just fell to 72 and just fell to the Cardinals and right into their lap. And it's, it's crazy because they do need offensive line help. Josh Jones, if you want to move him inside, but they still have Marcus Gilbert on the right tackle who, who they just signed uh, to, a, I don't know, not, not a crazy deal. Mm-hmm. And he's, I understand he's 32, has a little bit of an injury history, but you do have some depth there. And that's this way you can kind of move Josh Jones around a little bit, especially for a guy like Kyler Murray who needs, he doesn't need you to sustain their blocks very long, but he just mm-hmm. needs you to sustain their block just long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyler Murray can learn something from Russell Wilson. Um, just kind of watching him play, I think he can be that kind of, you know, don't get hit, just mm-hmm. fall down, but scramble and, and figure something out. Because now if you're going to have someone like DeAndre Hopkins, where it's those 50-50 balls aren't 50-50 anymore, right? Like they're mm-hmm. you're, they're definitely in your favor now. So throwing them up is not going to be nearly as scary. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. So if you give him just enough time. Um, so moving on, a couple fourth round picks, 114 overall. Like Fotu? Justin? Yeah. Really? Lucky. I think I'm pretty sure it's lucky, but yeah. That's cooler. I like that. Defensive tackle out of Utah, and we have 131 overall, Rashad Lawrence. A lot easier defensive tackle out of LSU. <laughs> so I guess they were really considering, you know, defense in this draft, as we said, but two defensive tackles. I guess, Justin, tell me the difference between these guys. Uh, well, Fotu is more of a nose tackle because they they run that three four scheme. So they mm-hmm. really needed a guy to push Brandon F- Phillips, and I understand that they they just signed him. Uh, it wasn't a, another big deal, but they they drafted a guy with immense upside who's just this massive, massive human being out of Utah. So um, they they grabbed him there. They grabbed Lawrence as more of like it was it was kind of like a depth pick, but you grabbed him knowing that you can kind of move him around that three four front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's 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 definitely interesting. I mean, picking two defensive tackles that close to each other is um kind of weird nick i see you put a, a note here former rugby player for photo mm-hmm. uh do you yeah. think that helps do you think it, is it just a, a nice little well, footnote i'm kind of curious I, the reason i put it in there is um and if you notice next to it is obviously it attests to his run stuffing ability right mm-hmm. not to say i know a ton yeah. about rugby but what i do know is it's continuous and there's a lot of essentially line v line work mm-hmm. right yeah. and genuinely mm-hmm. literally wrapping somebody up and trying to stop them from moving forward with no whistle blowing a dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he is comfortable to, to get in there and, and, you know, as far as, as the, the comparison to really potentially excel at, at stopping the run because mm-hmm. of that. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's kind of neat when the, the rugby guys make the transition anyways, just cause yeah. rugby's rugby's a hell of a sport. So, Top you know, <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. But, and and uh, he's not going to play every down. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say what, one of the reasons they 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 sign these guys is just look at the division and look what the division does well. They mm-hmm. all run the ball extremely mm-hmm. well. So you have to beef up the middle of that defense. You have to find different ways to to not allow Seattle to get five yards of carry on every single player, allow mm-hmm. the Rams to to average six yards of carry. Like you just can't have that happen anymore, especially with an explosive offense like the Cardinals have. You can really take advantage of all right, let's get this, this let's get this early lead, let's get them to to stop running the ball and get mm-hmm. get let's force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball thirty to forty times a game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, kind of as you, you saw. Kyle Shanahan decided to do it, but that's the downfall of the 49ers in the Super Bowl. He they decided to throw the ball way too much, and that is the uh, that's that's that story. And we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, last two picks. 202 overall, Evan Weaver, linebacker out of California, and 222, Eno Benjamin in the seventh round, running back out of Arizona State. I think that one is just absolutely crazy. I know, Justin, how you feel about this. Nick, um, before we get to Justin, how do you feel about these two guys going to the Cardinals um, in the the fashion that they did? You know, I... And I, I don't know a ton about, um, well, I don't, I, similarly to you, I don't watch a lot of Pac-12, not nearly as much. Um, I, you know, enjoy the SEC the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's a bridge between the two, but that's another story. Um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everything I saw, everything I read online is is over and over and over. High football IQ, high football IQ, smart guy, you know, head guy, like willing to learn and just mm-hmm. sponge. Um, but then apparently that comes with the caveat of he's not necessarily as athletic, Um which is weird, but he's also, he's also very efficient at tackling. He wraps up well, um, you know, and as, as we kind of alluded to, and Justin particularly, um, he really could have and should have gone higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. All right, Justin, tell us why you love them so much. Both of them. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, especially Evan Weaver. And, and I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know a whole lot about Evan Weaver leading up to the draft until Lewis Rick, Lewis Riddick was on, I think it was get up and he was just talking about this kid, Evan Weaver. I was like, all right, let's watch this kid. And this kid flies all over the field. Like if he comes in and he ends up being a starting linebacker, he's going to be a great IDP guy to just pick up. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be another Darius Leonard type where he's getting like 110, 115 tackles a, uh, a season. Uh, he's constantly around the ball. So force fumbles, fumble recoveries, finds a way to make some picks. So he, uh, I mean, I love this kid. And then going off, you know, Benjamin, I just can't believe he fell to the seventh round. Like he's a, he's a obviously a smaller back, but you know what? Cliff Kingsbury will find different ways to utilize him, and he'll, he'll utilize him well. Especially when Kenyon Drake's gonna be the, more of a the between the tackle kind of running back. You know, Benjamin will be that third down back. Or I mean, Cliff is is clever enough that he'll find different ways to get him on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you know just just seeing how that turns out. I mean, I think Eno Benjamin is going to like from from the small amount of Pac-12 I did watch, and I think I had Eno Benjamin. He beat me in college fantasy two years ago in the championship game, almost single handedly. And so I made sure to pick him last year, and he was he was fantastic. So I think you know that's kind of how I run most of my teams. Who who beat me? Now I got to get that mm-hmm. guy. But I think it's great. And Stia, thank you for paying attention. Stia says, become a degenerate gamble and you're soaking all the Pac-12 you could possibly want. You got to stay yeah. up. You got to you gotta chase that bet. Um, if you lose all your SEC bets, Nick, now you know. Talk to Sia and he can help you out with that, uh, that, that Pac-12 after dark. True, true. I love it. Um, so how do you guys, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. How do you feel like the Seahawks did in terms of their draft? And what do you think the outlook is for them next year, especially considering... We kind of love all the teams in this division. You know, I, I, I think, I think in general, the Cardinals arguably had the best draft of the NFC West. Um, I, you know, and I hate to say that. I think they just really hit a lot of these picks out of the park. Some of the value, you know, um, particularly 
with Eno and Josh Jones, um, you know, and then the fact that, oh, yeah, they do have Isaiah Simmons. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. a stacked class for them. And then let's call it what it is, right? DeAndre Hopkins as a second-round pick is just, is just asinine. Yeah, for that's that incredible. Team, yep. Really mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, you know, I think I think they're improving, um, but the NFC West is an arms race. Mm-hmm. It's it's again biasly, if if not the most competitive, second to the NFC South in terms of really just a volatile division. Um, it is it is not going to be easy for them. You think okay, you know what we will get to, of course, with San Francisco still probably being the best team. Um, Seattle and the Rams, not too far behind. I still feel like Arizona's the kid brother that's kind mm-hmm. of in the wagon, you know, with the group going up the hill and and they might mm-hmm. make some noise and they might have some better games and maybe instead of losing both games to, you know, most of the division they split some of them. Mm-hmm. But are, are they going to beat out Seattle for third? No. Are they going to beat out the yeah. Rams for third? I I really don't see that happening either. And at that point you're not getting into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what's what's it really matter? Um I'd say they're their floor is 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 it probably a six win team with the ceiling being nine. You know, I see them somewhere in between seven is kind of the number I'm comfortable mm-hmm. with. Um, I just I, I they'll get better, but yeah. it's still a project. What about fantasy perspective? I mean, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is going to be great. How do you feel about Kyler Murray? How do you feel about Kenyon Drake um, and maybe even Larry Fitz still again being an NFL player? I think you said before at seventy eight, it's just incredible how he's capable yeah. of doing that. Kenyon Drake killed it. Kenyon Drake killed it and talk about a change of scenery, really rejuvenating somebody, you know, mid season. Um, I remember uh, my, my fiance being the Miami fan decided to take a flyer on him and, and stick with him in the trade. And it's like, what'll happen? Guess what? He, he tore it up and he was on fire the second half of the year, you know, and the transition tag may just motivate him to want to get the payday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it says a lot if Cliff moved on from David Johnson Mm-hmm. arguably for for Drake. Yes. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a good year. I think Murray's play elevated is only going to help him. Them building the line is only going to help him. DeAndre's going to DeAndre no matter where he goes. I mean, he DeAndre with Hoyer. Through, yeah, or not yeah Hoyer, right. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, yeah, Rock, Rock Osweiler. Rock, Rock All Osweiler. the quarterbacks there. He was yeah, still one uh, of the best wide receivers. Exactly. You know, so he's, he's st- solid. He's going to be solid. Um, those are really the two that I'd be most comfortable with. You know, I, I'll stay away from IDP just to, for most people's sanity. Um, but I think I think those two will will excel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean uh, Tom Savage. I don't know. I think after you say that, I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best uh, wide receivers in the league. Justin, how do you feel that uh, the Cardinals did in the draft? What do you think they're going to look like next year? And, and a couple mm-hmm. fantasy plays you might like. Yeah, I arguably I, I think they had one of the best, if not the best draft. It's considering that they gave up a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, that just immediately bumps them up to like a B mm-hmm. plus A minus grade. Yeah, exactly. And then with the players that they drafted, they completely changed their defense. They got faster. They got more physical front. And then, I mean, you add a guy like uh, Isaiah Simmons, who's just going to do everything that they need to do. Perfect. Like that, that defense is completely changed. Chandler Jones will come in. I think Chandler Jones breaks the sack record this year because I think the Cardinals Ooh. have more leads this mm-hmm. year. So I'll, I'll say that he, he's around like that 23 sack, which would be, I mean, phenomenal watch um, trying to break Michael Strahan's record. But still, it, it'll be something because um, he, he's never had like a great phenomenal team around him, not a team mm-hmm. where they had a, a, a large lead. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how much better this whole team looks because of the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And mm-hmm. I, I think, I think from fantasy perspective, Kyler Murray is probably a, a top five, top seven quarterback. 
solidified pretty pretty high up there um, because you added DeAndre Hopkins, who was going to 100 catches, 1400 yards, mm-hmm. 15 touchdowns, give or take. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's going to be some. There's, there's going to be some incredible offense coming out of the NFC West this year. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I guess the, the final question about this for you guys is: Would you trade DeAndre Hopkins for Terry McLaurin straight up, essentially in a fantasy draft? <laughs> don't don't answer. Don't answer. Uh, moving on to the Super Bowl losing NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we kind of already alluded to it. Their their team is pretty stacked. Um, yeah. Weirdly enough, traded away Marquise Goodwin, traded away Matt Breida, uh, traded away DeForest Buckner, but still their team is stacked. They brought in Trent Williams with that trade. Didn't really do too, too much else, if I'm not mistaken, within, um, within kind of uh, some other stuff you know, just kind of figuring things out again, alluded to those and, you know, they, they traded up, they traded down, they did some things. They, I think Armstead got, um, uh, since they traded Buckner away, they kept Armstead and gave him a nice contract instead. So, I mean, it was essentially one or the other at that point, I guess they chose Armstead. So the cheaper one, yeah, the cheaper one. And I still think that defensive line is insane. So it's not like it's going to be a bad thing, but, uh, Justin, how did you feel what San Francisco, if they could use what they could use again, coming that close to winning a super bowl, essentially what five yards on that throw. Um, you know, there, there's like four or five (laughs) plays in that game where if they just do one of them, correct, Mm -hmm. they win. And instead Mm -hmm. somehow the chiefs end up winning by two over two scores. So it's just crazy. (laughs) But, um, Justin, how how do you, what do you think the 49ers needed going into the draft? Yeah. And it's funny because I, John Lynch should get much more recognition than he's gotten this past couple of years. Yeah. I understand that his first draft was 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 pretty lackluster with the, the the first round selection of Solomon Thomas, and I mean Solomon Thomas is still a productive player on the team, but mm-hmm. he's hit it out of the park with these last couple of drafts. Um, they came in needing a D tackle, so what do they do? They draft a D tackle at the slot where they just traded away their Pro Bowl mm-hmm. uh, defensive tackle, so they they got him out of the way, and they got a great player who I I love and Javon Kinlaw. I loved him more than Derek Brown just because of his pass rushing ability. Mm-hmm. So now you just have this formidable, uh, gigantic defensive line that's just constantly coming at you, and they're constantly mm-hmm. pass rushing. And the nice thing, when you're able to get pressure like that, it helps against the run game as well because they're they're constantly hitting the quarterback or the running back before he even gets the handoff. So um, just, just a just a crazy roster that John Lynch has built and, I mean, will continue to build because it doesn't look like they're, they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, so. I, I can... Completely agree. I mean, you know how I feel about it building the trenches. Um, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, depending on whatever you think, he, it's weirdly enough that, you know, they signed him to like what, like a six year, $120 million deal or whatever it is. And people are like, that's too much. That's too much. Now you look at it, quarterback making $20 million. That's a steal pretty much yeah. at any level of, of competence. And he's yeah. above average, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, he missed mm-hmm. a couple throws. And yeah, maybe he's not super, super necessary, but I think he is above average and did help win them some games. Um, Nick, how did you feel? Like, what did you feel the uh, the 49ers being the resident NFC West fan? What did you think the 49ers were looking for, especially going into the draft? Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to highlight, I mean, 18 to 22 starters return. That's that's mm-hmm. already putting you in a phenomenal position yep. to be successful. Um you know, they are a juggernaut as, as far as in the NFC, really in the NFL, but they're they're a very good team. And, you know, as Justin said, John Lynch is killing it with the little things and he's 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 replacing their needs when they, um, you know, a little before they expire, which is, mm-hmm. you know, as, as far as the Rams perhaps being on the other side of that. Um, it's nice. Well, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's interesting to see it work, you know, the um, in the alternative fashion. And, you know, they. <laughs> I have a little bit of a concern for wide receivers. Um, you know, I think the Emmanuel Sanders experiment failed, obviously. 
Um, but, you know, getting him how they did, it didn't seem to be a, a, a huge deal to them. Um, with Goodwin leaving, Matt Breida leaving, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It seems that they are successful with no-name guys, but getting Trent Williams was huge for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was huge again. You know, obviously, I think Joe Staley retired immediately before immediately after they they secured yeah. that trade for uh trent williams so i'm curious uh you know how how exactly I'm, i really wish i they, saw the actual knew. timeline exactly yeah. of, of what what the text message chain looked like and when all those things were starting to fall through um i would agree so, with you Nick. Uh, keep going yeah i was gonna say with joe steely i i saw uh, there was a i think john lynch was on uh he was on NFL Network yesterday at some point, and he was he was talking about the Joe Staley thing, and Joe Staley pretty much after the season told them that he was considering retirement right away. So mm-hmm. they knew going into the draft that they were going to need somebody, and they just said like, "Hey, the week of the draft, please just give us a yes or a no of what you're considering doing." He, I guess the week of the draft, they they told him like, "Yep, we're I'm probably leaning towards retiring." So it's like, mm-hmm. "Okay, perfect. We know exactly what we want to do." I guess at some point last year, Trent Williams. Uh, there was a first round draft pick offer for him that the Redskins didn't jump on um, mainly because Bruce Allen is completely incompetent at what he does. And mm-hmm. that's why he's no longer there anymore. Um, so we'll, we'll, I, I don't know. They, they, they got much better. They, they found, they replaced a hall of fame tackle with the hall of fame tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. He's a little bit younger. He does have a year removed and hopefully the medical and like that, that, that whole cancer situation kind of checks out and he's, he's okay. But um they, they got better. <laughs> yeah. On yeah. The offensive line. Exactly. They get better on the offensive line. Nick, I agree with you about the wide receivers. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was good. Not great. I, I'd say, yeah. but I mean, other than Debo Samuels, who is more of like that Jack of all kind of guy, rather than like just a straight up <clears throat> wide receiver, who do they really have as a wide receiver on this team? Like other than him. And, and again, you know, especially trading away Marquise Goodwin, sending him to the Eagles for, you know, a fifth or a sixth, whatever it ended up being. Um, <clears throat> they really do not have that strong of a wide receiver core. So I'm really curious kind of to see, you know, how that, that plays out is obviously them grabbing one. But uh, so Justin, you kind of talked about Javon Kinlaw a little bit more. You spoke a lot, very highly of him in the draft and, you know, he is listed as a defensive tackle, but he has that opportunity and the ability to rush with, I think is really cool. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about him and why you think he'll fit in or how you think he'll fit in with this juggernaut of a defensive line. Yeah, and especially coming from South Carolina, where he was the guy that teams had to really key in on and make sure that they were that he was contained as well as best as they could. So he's going to a defensive front now where he's the fourth guy, third guy mm-hmm. that you really want to stop. So that's going to allow him to flourish and really um, kind of just crush some of these 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 teams that he's going to be playing against. So um, obviously, great kid, great story um, with everything with him being homeless when he was younger and moving around, jumping around house to house. So um, seems like a great character kid, a guy that you really want on your team and a, a guy that's going to really flourish in this this defense. And how much is he a replacement to DeForest Buckner? What like one to one? What are their skill sets, and how exactly is he comparable and, and contrastable? Mm-hmm. If that's a word. Yeah. So 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 basically, they they both play three technique, which means that they're pretty much lining up over top of the guard. Um, and the the thing that Buckner did well was he really rushed the passer. He really got after. He found different ways to penetrate through the offensive line. That's Ken Law's specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, they they got him at a, a position where they. They could really jump on. They they knew that they didn't have to trade up to get him because it sounded like that's about where this where he was going to fall. Um, so I think it's a perfect situation for him and and where I don't know, where they're going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And Nick, how excited are you to have uh, just another again year of dealing with that defensive line in the NFC West? I mean, it's 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 gnarly. You know, it's it's the fifth time in uh, six years that they've taken a uh, a defensive line. You know, or invested a pick in that. And I mean, it's just they're very good. 
they're very good. And, you know, you, you seem to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, okay, are they going to have some veterans move on? And maybe there's, uh, you know, some, nope, nope, next man right up. Back. And, and mm-hmm. that's that. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, playing them twice a year is tough. You know, the Rams, um, the Rams played them well that both games. First game. No, that first game was a joke. It got, out, it? it got out of hand, but it was good. Like it, for it was weirdly close. It was like only a ten point game, but it felt like it was a thousand point game because I think Jared Goff. How many times did he get sacked in that game? Too Honestly, many. it may have been Too seven. Many. Is it seven? Like I just remember yeah. it being just an absurd number. And I mean, again, that's a testament to the Rams' offensive line just mm. being completely decimated right. at the time, which doesn't help, but also just their defensive line. I mean, you saw like Robert Salah and and just Nick Bosa just kind of like actually laughing at what was going on on the field. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I think again, you know, bringing Kinlaw, losing Buckner, someone that knows the offense again, this year, rookies, I don't think are going to be as impactful, but again, having someone like that, as Justin said, who can rush the passer from the inside, essentially replacing Buckner and what he did, I think can be great. Um, so again, in the first round, they traded up for this pick. They were 31 overall, obviously being the Super Bowl loser. Uh, they traded up to grab at 25, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver out of Arizona State. Nick, tell me a little bit about this because uh, you agree with me. They definitely need some wide receivers there. Yeah, and and you know that's that's what I wrote. He's going to have to contribute immediately. He's going to have to come in and and pick it up, which, you know, to, to circle back to our point with a um, unconventional offseason, will he be able to? Mm-hmm. Will he get the same reps and will he build this rapport and yada yada yada? I I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think that's going to be going to be a concern. Um, you know, Arizona State, uh, go Sun Devils, little Herm Edwards. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think I, I, I question necessarily some of the the talent he went against. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think you know, there's again, like like besides Samuel, who's there? Yeah, Kittle. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's catching the ball? So you know, it's it's he's going to have to to really uh, earn that first round tenure. Absolutely. I will say, you know, even though I completely agree with you on all those points, we then watched Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball eight times and they beat the Packers like 34 to yeah, seven. Yeah, if we're going to joke, run <laughs> like that. Hey, man, it happens when you run for 300 yards in a game. You only have to pass the ball so many times, I guess. True. But uh, the Packers clearly couldn't figure that out. Only we could um, behind the TV. Justin, how do you feel about Brandon Ayuk coming out of Arizona State? So. I liked the position. Obviously, they need a wide receiver. I don't like the pick for them. And I understand okay. that the reason they dra- – well, not the reason they drafted him, but one of the reasons they, they grabbed him was because he can be like a Tyreek Hill type. So you, he's going to be that quick burner that's going to kind of open the middle of the field that will help George Kittle out a lot. Mm-hmm. But they, they needed a guy with some size. They need a bigger a wide receiver because like all they have are these 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 quick, fast – straight line route runners that's kind of what Ayuk does best he's he's a nine round he's a go guy um so that you have Dante Pettis you have um just a, a, a few of those just track athletes and you drafted another one when T Higgins was kind of sitting there on the board and he could be more that possession wide receiver somebody that Jimmy Garoppolo can uh, can look to for a fail safe because George Kittle is getting all of the attention mm-hmm. yeah. so you needed someone who was more of a I thought they needed more of a slot receiver so I was kind of curious to see if they were going to jump up and try and grab Justin Jefferson because that would have been a perfect match mm-hmm. um but they, they went for that boomer bus guy. And the other thing I don't like is you drafted Ayuk, who's, who's this burner. 
Jimmy Garoppolo proved that he can't throw the deep ball. He doesn't mm-hmm. have the deep accuracy. He's never had a deep accuracy. Even going back to his time at Eastern Illinois, it's it just never been one of his specialties. He's been an underneath route kind of a guy, um, kind of in the Tom Brady mold. He's just been like, all right, let's dink and dunk it all the, mm-hmm. all the way down the field. And eventually we'll find ways to score points. So I, I, I don't necessarily, I understand why they did it. They, they, Everyone's looking to get faster. Everyone's looking for that Tyreek Hill, and there only is one Tyreek Hill. He's just that incredible of an athlete. Mm-hmm. But you grabbed a guy that, I mean, there were other options on the board where they could have went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought it was kind of weird too. I'll be honest, I don't know too too much about him, but I'll take your advice. And I think it makes sense again if you're going to grab, if you're going to, especially if you're going to trade up for a wide receiver, you'd think it'd be mm-hmm. one that you need rather than just picking somebody else. Now, again, the next day or two days later, they end up trading away Marquise Goodwin right. uh, for a very late round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of. Uh, you know, maybe it's, he's, they're looking at him more as a replacement, just a better replacement. I mean, Marquis Goodwin's okay, uh, at best, I think. So, you know, having someone like him come in and Hey, I mean, it is what it is. And then, so we are then waiting no day two picks, um, then jumping all the way to day three, 128 picks later. Um, now within there is the Trent Williams trip pick. So they are the Trent Williams trade. So they did pick up Trent Williams, as we talked about before, potentially just bolstering that offensive line a little bit more. So at 153 overall, as I said, 128 picks later from the dolphins, they received uh one pick 153. They got an offensive lineman Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia. Um, I mean, you, again, going 120 something picks, without getting a single player, the drop-off is going to be just immense. But Justin, I mean, what was this offensive line? Was this another just kind of depth pick? That's just in case, like, how do you feel about him coming out of West Virginia? Yeah. And especially because I doubt, and I'm pretty sure maybe we'll find out, but I highly doubt that the 49ers uh, medical team ever got their hands on Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of yeah. just like taking the word of like, okay, yeah, I feel pretty good. I got a year off. So maybe my, my body's pretty good, but like there's still that looming thing of this cancerous uh, growth or, yeah. or just this cancer that he had on uh, in his body. So McKivitz, they drafted Mike McGlinchey in the first round a couple years ago at a Notre Dame. So they have their right tackle set. Mm-hmm. So McKivitz is, is, is a great value pick because you have a guy who started, I think he was four years at West Virginia, um, started at right tackle for, I think it was the first 10 games of his career career as a true freshman and then eventually slid over to the left side so clearly he has that versatility where he could play left or right and you can kind of throw him in a pinch for a west virginia team that love to throw the ball um mm-hmm. maybe not as great of a, a run blocker as, as the 49ers really want because that's that's more of their mo but um they they found a very versatile and experienced offensive line piece yeah, I think it I think it could be very helpful. It again, having offensive as they've seen, you know, defensive line rotational guys and having them continuously come in is important. Offensive line, same thing. It's always nice to have that sixth guy, seventh guy, potentially someone to step up, especially if someone like Trent Williams maybe isn't as healthy as we're seeing. Um last team pick, sixth round, number one ninety overall, Charlie. Warner, tight end out of Georgia, and number 217 overall, Juwan Jennings, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Nick, what can you tell us about you know some of these guys and the potential for them to play a little bit bigger of a role in the offense? So, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, as far as... as- uh, Warner, you get you get some good blocking ability that'll help them out. Um, you know, as as you alluded to, they'd love to run the ball, so maybe you know that's uh, that's kind of more what the idea is. Um, you know, he's he was highlighted as a blocking specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if if it seems like that's their focus, that's their commitment, then you're going to get the guys who can do that. And having another tight end is great. Obviously, um, you know, Kittle provides such a value as a pass catching tight end that you know perhaps this is a way to do a two tight end set to complement. I, I don't really know what their plan will be with that. Um, but I think that's helpful. 
And then, you know, um, Jennings from Tennessee. I mean, he, the 40 is okay for, you know, 472. Um, not, not quite what you'd like to see out of a receiver. But I think, again, in the seventh round, you know, for a position that they certainly have a need on, perhaps you can develop this guy. So why mm-hmm. not, from their perspective, them being yeah. really a very complete roster in general? So. I- I, I, again, I think both picks make sense, especially from the standpoint they're coming from. I mean, what the, the size of the balls on Kyle Shanahan to run that type of offense where all they do <laughs> is run trade away and potentially they're starting running back and then not even draft one. I love it. It just clearly shows you he does not give a care in the world who the hell's back there. He's going to do what he's going to do. And as we saw last year, whether it's the one game Tevin Coleman decides to run for 150 yards and four touchdowns or is Raheem, Raheem Mostert, who I bet you if you pulled every NFL fan in the entire world, how many people would have known his name? 12, 15, maybe, you know, and this guy comes out and, you know, potentially, you know, he, he literally single-handedly won the NFC championship game. I mean, obviously it was the offensive line and everything, but it's just crazy, uh, you know, how you see it. And so Justin, how do you think the 49ers did overall with their draft this year? Yeah. Well, I just want to touch on their seventh round draft pick a little bit. I understand that they took IU, but this was probably the, the smarter wide receiver pick. Uh, person that they took was because they finally took a slot wide receiver. They mm-hmm. finally had someone that, that, that Jimmy Garoppolo can kind of just dump the ball off to gain five, six, seven yards, just a, ch- a chuck at a time, and then kind of just keep the ball moving. Um, but I, I really do just more, just like the Saints, they have a very deep roster, so they mm-hmm. didn't need to have 12 picks in the, in the in the draft just because a lot of those guys aren't going to make aren't going to make the team. Um, so they took a lot of a lot of picks at positions of needs that I, I think that will will really make this roster just even better than what it was last year. Yeah, I think, you know, again, they're they're going to be up there. Uh, I mean, it feels like all of these we've been saying, there's two or three playoff teams from every division, and now we know that's obviously impossible. But with seven playoff teams now moving forward, obviously we have three potential ones we all believe in. We think the Cardinals are probably not going to be able to, to sustain it all year if they do no. at some point get, get that pop. But, I mean, as we spoke about before, Justin, um, last night, if I'm not mistaken, the AFC or the NFC South is a juggernaut as well. You know, you have mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, you have um, you have the Saints, obviously. The Falcons are not bad. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, no. with, you know, three uh, playoff team or three wider. Hello. Okay. It's been two hours. I'm sorry, guys. I've been doing so well uh, with three potential wild card teams. I mean, I could see two of them absolutely coming out of the NFC West. I if mean, how three. do you say it again? If not three, I don't if... think three teams, three uh, wild card teams are coming out of one division. Oh, three wild card. I'm sorry. Yeah. I yeah. 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 Playoffs. I think two, I think two wild card teams. Absolutely. I could see three playoff teams coming out. Uh, yeah. Nick, I guess mm. I'll just start with you being the, the, you know, paying attention to the NFC West a little bit more. Uh, like who of those three teams, like rank them, I guess just rank them, Nick rank them. Uh, I, I, I think San Francisco is, I mean, a shoe in, um, I think it's, it's between them and the saints for who wants to own the NFC. Um, I've been high on the saints for a few years. I think they're great. And, and, you know, but San Francisco is a very talented team. Um, and Shanahan has proven he can be successful in multiple teams, getting them to the Super Bowl. I think is very impressive. Um, you know, they're, they're going to do well. They're going to win 13 games again, probably playing the AFC East or, and, uh, and the, uh, the NFC East, you know, not to, not to poo poo, but really for, as far as a lot of, a lot of easy games, 
you know, compared to last year where they played the NFC South and the AFC North, mm-hmm. that was a very different season yeah. than this. Um, you know, so I think San Francisco is going to run away with it. They'll be the best team again, probably 13 wins. Um, I'd put Seattle as probably, you know, um, 2A and the Rams 2B, very close to how that would go. I think Seattle will grab at least a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being above a 10 win team and the Rams probably close behind them. Now, the question is obviously, what does the South do? And then do you get a team in the North that maybe sneaks its way mm-hmm. in there? Um, but I, I suspect at least two teams will make mm-hmm. the playoffs. I'd take a brain, a homer, a homer and say, Rams get into so three mm-hmm. teams. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. One thing that's really interesting is, you know, there's always that Super Bowl hangover, especially if you lose the Super Bowl. Yes, the one I thing, just yeah, that. <laughs> obviously, you know, seeing that. But I think the one difference is the Rams lost a significant chunk and, and important mm-hmm. pieces of their team, their entire team. Again, right. two years later, and the team is almost completely different. The 49ers, as we said, they lost four starters and they replaced one of them immediately with another Pro Bowl caliber left tackle in Trent Williams running back whatever we found out that that literally doesn't matter at all defense they trade away um to force buckner and replace him exactly with another player that so the players they lost they didn't really lose too much they essentially just lowered their salary cap at that point that's essentially all that happened so uh justin how do you feel about you know the potential for the the 49ers to potentially repeat as nfc champions but then also just the Mm -hmm. other couple teams in the playoff outlook yeah, and, and I mean, if I'm going to rank them, I know Nick's not going to like this, but I, I'm going Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, mm. mainly because the problem with the Rams that I, I, I can already see. <laughs> that's fine. Go for it's it. Recorded. I, I Don't Cardinals, worry, you're good. <laughs> I think the I think the Cardinals are a nine ten win team this year. Um, mainly because the offense that the Rams run, they really need to practice that zone blocking scheme, and it's 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 going to fall a lot on Sean McVay to kind of. I don't know, simplify that offense as much as he can with this, I don't know, uh, an offensive line that still needs to really gel together. Right. Um, so I, I would just be a little concerned with with the Rams not having the practice time that they really mm-hmm. need um, as compared to the other teams where Russell's relying on his athleticism, Carl's relying on ath- their athleticism, and the Niners have their entire team back from last mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I think um, I would say I kind of fall in between you guys. As Nick gave the Rams a 2B, I think they're clear-cut third-best team in the division. I think Seattle is always just going to do what they do. 49ers, when you bring back that much of your roster and it was that good, it's you know I, the drop-off is potential, but I don't think it's going to be that big. Like Again, if, they, if the Saints 49ers play that a game again this year, I think the Saints win. I don't think the 49ers end up winning that game just because it's a year later and things change. But I do think... Um, the one thing that I would say, Nick, that I am worried about with the Rams is they have so much cap space tied up to literally nobody, people that are yeah. not contributing oh, at all. Awful. And I've, it, I saw awful. it with the Giants a couple years ago. I think the Giants had 40 plus million dollars tied up in cap, dead cap money for team for people that were not on the team. And the Giants were terrible. Now, I don't think the Giants roster then was as good as the Rams roster is now. But I think it's very difficult to you know field a competitive playoff team when like chunks percentage chunks almost what 15 percent i think of your cap is tied up to people that are no longer contributing at all to your team they're just a deficit then as we all kind of agree jared goff is not worth 36 million dollars a year but that's just the way quarterbacks work Um, so i mean it's again it's going to be weird i think losing todd Gurley, he still ran for a thousand yards last year And, and that's still the confusing thing to me like yeah i know it was the offensive line i know todd Gurley wasn't great he still ran for a thousand yards it's not like 11 touchdowns it's not like he was bad so just cutting him losing 
all that for nothing. And then having to use your first pick on a running back just still makes zero sense to me. And again, if someone can explain the cap and why that was a good idea, please, <laughs> you know, Justin, you gave some good imp- points, but I still think it doesn't make sense. You could use that second round pick on something else and still get a half decent Todd Gurley paying him that extra couple million dollars to be able to utilize that second round pick somewhere else. It doesn't make sense to just throw that money out the window. And next year, the cap hit would have probably been less. And you're paying him to play for thing, another team. I mean, you're paying him to play for another team. Exactly. It, it I, again, there's a reason why it happened, and they're much smarter than me. Don't get me wrong. And again, Justin, you made some good points. I just still think, just value wise, I still think there is an opportunity for him to play and be contributing for a couple more million dollars where then you could use those picks in other places. Brandon Cooks, he he was done. That that one made sense. I don't, yeah, I don't know, yeah, but it is what it is. So, uh, this was great. Um, so it seems like we're all kind of in agreement ish on, on the way the division is going to unfold. This was a lot of fun. Nick, thank you again for coming on and doing some of that interesting stuff in the beginning with, uh, sure. you know, obviously with COVID and affecting the draft, but how it will affect the players, the coaches, the teams, and the fans, obviously with how intimate the draft did become again, everybody loved Cliff Kingsbury's, um, whatever you want to call that Flex. mansion, Flex. bachelor pad, McMansion. <laughs> I mean, I've been to Arizona. That's not real grass. Like I know that for a fact, yeah. they don't have real grass in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah. that was very clearly turf and he just had a fireplace in the middle of it. it's like what are you doing man this when is it, just unnecessary when it was like 90 degrees too exactly yeah, yeah. have the fireplace yeah. on all right dude but no this mm. was a lot of fun um i'm michael raziel justin raziel cousins not brothers nick right justin where can everyone find you on the internet yep it's j razzle 81 j-r-a-z-z-l-e-8-1 that's because no one knows what the candy is and nick where can everybody find you on the internet? <laughs> yeah right same for instagram same for twitter two t's on right all right thank you both marathon one here we're gonna have another one tomorrow i'm having jared abaddon to talk about the afc east but gentlemen appreciate your time today thank you so much thanks for having me thanks mike